powered from the Perdomo Cigar Studios on the Black Stage in Indian Trail, North Carolina, and broadcasting down under outside Brisbane, Australia. It's episode 78 of the Primetime Jukebox. Tonight, we talk about some of the best track ones on albums out there. And as always, the Primetime Jukebox, sponsored by Perdomo Cigars, awarded Nicaraguan Cigar of the Year in 2014 by Cigar Journal. The Perdomo 20th anniversary brand has consistently earned the highest scores in the industry and is a top seller in humidors around the world. The Perdomo 20th anniversary blend requires tobaccos that have been carefully hand-selected and are well-aged for a minimum of eight years. The Perdomo 20th anniversary is offered in three distinct wrappers, a smooth, creamy Ecuadorian Connecticut, a rich, earthy Cuban seed Nicaraguan sun-grown, and a dark, oily Cuban seed Nicaraguan Maduro. Combining these beautifully bourbon barrel-aged wrappers with thick, high-priming binder and filler tobaccos gives each blend a balanced complexity with layers of rich flavors and smooth, elegant aromas. Perdomo Cigar is a family-owned and operated company headquartered in Miami, Florida, with manufacturing and agricultural facilities in Esteli, Nicaragua. Perdomo's highly acclaimed cigar brands include the Perdomo Estate Selection Vintage, the Perdomo Double Age 12-Year Vintage, Perdomo 20th Anniversary, Perdomo Reserve 10th Anniversary, Perdomo Abano Bourbon Barrel Age, Perdomo Lot 23, Perdomo Menso 70, and many more. For great tasting notes and pairing information, check out the Perdomo website at www.perdomo.com cigars.com and by Aganorsa Leaf. Great Leaf makes great cigars. Aganorsa Leaf stands out because of the distinctive flavor of their Corojo 99 and Criollo 98 seeds cultivated by Cuban agronomists on the best lands in Jalapa and Esteli, Nicaragua. When you smoke one of their JFR, JFR Lunatic, Guardian of the Farm or Casa Fernandez cigars, you experience the unique taste and aroma that makes Aganorsa Leaf special. Smoke one today and enjoy the signature flavor of Aganorsa Leaf. And by Jerry Tobacco. The authentic Corojo is one of the most robust and flavorful tobacco leaves out there. During the golden age of cigars of Cuba, it was a leaf of choice to make some of the world's greatest cigars. Because it is one of the most challenging ones to cultivate, it fell out of favor by the 1990s. In the Hamastran Valley in Honduras, Julio Arroa took on the challenge of growing Corojo from the original seeds. And in 2000, he successfully reintroduced authentic Corojo back to the market. With over 50 years' experience in the tobacco business, from growing and curing tobacco to cigar production, the JRE Tobacco Farm has been able to continue to deliver products to market with authentic Corojo. Now with JRE Tobacco, Julio and son, who still bring their very own brand to market, each containing the authentic Corojo leaf. Aladino is available in a variety of blends, including the most recently released Aladino Classic. These represent the Golden Age of Cigars from 1947 to 1961. Available at your local retailer, be sure to ask for Jerry Tobacco, legacy that's tasted in every drawer. And finally, by Drew Estate. Check out and download the Drew Diplomat app for your mobile device. Keep up with everything going on Drew Estate. Experience the subculture that is the rebirth of cigars. It's available on iTunes and Google Play. For more information, check out www.drewdiplomat.com. And as always, all the live streaming for the Primetime Network of Shows is sponsored exclusively by Drew Estate, as well as the California studios for the Primetime Show. Well, welcome everybody. This is Primetime Jukebox, episode 78. We are at uh, mid-September edition here. Will Cooper, I'm on the black stage uh, in the Perdomo Cigar Studios, and I'm joined by my good friend on the other side of the world, in the other hemisphere, Mr. Dave Burke. <laughs> hey, Coop. I was just thinking with what... Uh... What month it is there and where it is here. So we're going in the spring and out there you guys are headed into winter or if you're in fall now. Right. But yep. 
It's kind of the, the week. One of those, yeah, I mean, it's one of the few times where our temperatures are pretty much close to the same. Yeah, I think we're going to be hitting this, like, I would say probably around, like, October will start being the same. Mm. Um, mm. And But you you will be dealing with um, the phenomenon of the birds pretty soon, I can imagine. Yeah, well, yeah. bird update. Bird update, Coop. Okay. Uh, uh, it seems, I don't know if it's the same birds, but it seems that the, that, Birds have taken made a nest in in the gutter of my backyard now. Now that's unusual because they, they usually go to the same place every year. So they might be so that might be new birds in the backyard then. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so, I think it was like around November when those attacks started on you. It was. Well, <laughs> so like for the listeners out there, so we got a, a new a new dog like about a year or so ago. And our dog can jump about six feet, and she j- could jump all of our fences around our yard, right? Quite easily. So we had to build, we had to fence in a little bit of our backyard with a build a fence that's like six and a half feet tall, right? Seven feet tall, so that she can't jump it. But since then, we don't have a dog that sort of roams around the yard. So the birds have become emboldened, will. And there's oh, just man. like nests everywhere, and now they're like hanging out. So, oh man, <laughs> the, the birds are taking over while my dog is uh fenced up. Yeah, wow. Um, but, yeah, I, I, uh, I'm a little spoiled because I got the climate controlled studios here, but we are running control. the air today pretty heavy here. Uh, it's been kind of muggy. Oh, are you? Yeah, oh, so I mean, yeah, uh, yeah, it's been actually kind of warm here the last few days. I uh, for the listeners out there, I'm coming to America in December. Uh, you know, so send all your gifts to Will to uh, pass yeah, on to me. Yeah, I will uh, <laughs> but, send them to me. Um, I will as long as they fit it, in my luggage, I'll I'll take them. <laughs> yeah, hey, hey, cigar cigar industry people out there, send 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 all your boxes of samples to Will. Yeah, he will. Uh, yeah, but at that time of year, I'll get on the plane here. And it'll probably be, oh, like 100, 110. And I'll get off the plane in Minnesota, and it'll be like minus 20. Yeah, it, 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 and it's <laughs> weird. Change. You know, I I was debating over you know, driving up there. Uh, oh, snow might get you. But, yeah, I mean, it's Midwest snow, which is tricky. Um, because mm. Midwest snow is no way to avoid it. Like, East Coast snow, you can. There are ways to avoid it. Because most oh, okay. of that, come, that comes up from the south or the southwest, but um, yeah, it's hard. So I just said, um, and I, I, I'm gonna bite the bullet. I have to get my. I have the rental car. I was telling you, I don't have the plane ticket. So uh, nice. Yeah, so I'm gonna be figuring out uh, a palatial estate to stay at. Um, and palatial. Go, yeah, some hotels. <laughs> palatial. Uh, I, yeah. Well, poli- I don't know. We'll see. I mean. Uh, what happened with the hotel situation? So, um, well, like I'm not gonna stay down. Uh, I'll probably I'll probably stay out like in the St. Paul area. I'm thinking. Okay. Yeah. You could uh, you could uh, <clears throat> you could stay at Paisley Palace. I I yeah, we may have a connection there, <laughs> Garrett. So, uh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, because uh, and for folks who don't know, uh, yeah, Matt and Garrett from How About That Cigar, that's like their home turf up there. So they that's like their territory in the media landscape. 
Yes, yes, uh, yes. You know what's funny about their show? They they get on the show and they do a Minnesota sports thing. Like and they do, just, and it's funny because it's the same thing. Like the Twins blew another game, and they blew uh, the it. Packers lose a play. Well, Matt's a Packers fan, but the Vikings blew a game. Yeah. yeah. The 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 Yankees should just play the Twins all. Year. They should just arrange to play the Twins all. Year. Oh, you wouldn't have any problems going to the playoffs. <laughs> just lie to the Twins yeah. every time. Oh God, yeah. The, I don't. When's the last time was it the Twins won a playoff game? Was it like, I think they're eight. They're zero and eighteen. I think. Yeah, I and think. I think they lost like all those series to the Yankees too. It's like incredible. Yeah, but they there's home a, games in there too. Yeah. Like. Yeah. <clears throat> I, it doesn't look like this year's much different, Coop. I mean, I don't even know if they'll make it now. No, I don't know either. Uh, I think that that's what's kind of you listen to their their Minnesota sports updates. It, it's kind of funny. Yeah, <laughs> it was going to okay hockey. And the, it's the same thing. Like, ah. uh, well, it was at least they had a little bit going for them with uh, the Timberwolves are looking better. They're looking the, up, so that the, might the, help the, them out. The Timberwolves are definitely looking better. I, they, uh, I have yeah. to say now, now, now that we're pumping up the how about that cigar guys. Their, their end of the year show is really interesting where they they keep all their uh, bands in like a drawer. Oh, yeah, they, I've seen that. Yeah. And they just go through there and they just grab a band and they just start talking about when they had that cigar. And it's just a cool idea. Yeah, I like that. I, I remember they were doing that and they just kind of talk about the cigar. It's actually a pretty yeah. cool, it's actually a pretty cool concept with that. Um so, so yeah, check out that show. It's, yeah. uh, and they have great uh, podcast voices. Yeah, they do. Well. Um, and they have agreed to do the Purple Rain album archaeology show. So we, we should have that nailed down pretty soon. And that will be before like very soon. So, yeah, I mean, him doing that jazz show is amazing. Yeah. He, yeah. Like, it was, yeah, they, yeah. He like uh, gave us a clinic on jazz for sure. Yeah. I got to give him for that. So, um, yeah, good job by those guys. Um for sure. Well, hopefully their Minnesota yep. sports will pick up. Yep. I don't have hey guys, don't don't have any faith in the twins. Let that go, Matt. Let it go, man. Let it go. Just they're not up. gonna they're gonna keep breaking your heart. Yeah, at least the Packers are gonna win games this year. The the, the 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 Gophers might be good in the Big Ten. I mean they might be okay. Yeah. Yep. I mean the wild I mean the Vikings, the you know, maybe the, the Vikings are very interesting. Um I've heard some people very high on the Vikings this year. Um, oh, they love they love that that new coach they have. Yeah, yeah, they do. Uh, you know, yeah. Any anyone that even like you can you can hire someone that sold hot dogs for the Rams and people would get excited for them. Yeah, exactly. After they won the Super Bowl. Yeah, you know, and the, and the Vikings are funny. They have this. Usually a coach comes in, they have some success, yeah. like the first, yeah. second year, maybe the coach is there. And by the fifth year, the team's just in the toilet and the coach just, is gone. Yeah. It's every time with every coach, it seems like going oh, back to this green. Yeah. Well, their court, they, I mean, they have historically been been hampered by their quarterback. Like the only, I think the only time in my memory that they had a quarterback that actually lifted the team was when they had. Uh, when they had uh, Cunning, Cunningham for that brief period of time, and then um, Culpepper when he was good for that brief period of yeah, time. Yeah. Yep. I, I I exactly agree with you on that. And then other than that, like like I don't think Cousins is gonna. I mean, he's been the same quarterback for seven years. I don't think he's gonna. 
I, I don't know. You know, I like him. I, he's done well for them. He has played well for them. Uh, but, you know, I, I think Zimmer was a very conservative coach. And now oh. they're bringing in a young offensive coach to see if they can get a few more years out of him. We'll see how they go. I mean, that's the, the, the I think the issue is going to be like, can he get a bit more aggressive when he really hasn't? I mean, the guy only has one playoff win. Yeah. One. One. And he's been in the league for what, eight years now or something? Yeah. That's a problem. No, I know. Um, it, it absolutely is a problem. And then your team, your 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 team coach, the the Giants, those big run this year, Coop. What what's happening? Um, you know, I, I think the optimism in the, is get the seven wins. I okay. Think, um, well, I think there's some optimism that can happen. Um, a lot of people are high on the coaching staff. They were high on Joe Judge's coaching staff, though, too. Yeah, yeah, um, they were. I think the quarterback situation is going to be an issue. Yeah. I don't think Daniel Jones um, is. I'm not anti Daniel Jones, but he's gone through so many coordinators right now that this that it was like the same thing with Alex Smith. And it takes a while mm. unless before he kind of aligns himself with one of these coordinators. It's uh, it's do or die for him this year, isn't it? Though, I mean, wouldn't you say? Yeah, it has to be. He's uh, they didn't extend him. They didn't give him an yeah. option or anything. So, so yeah. I mean, there was a lot of talk they were going to go after Jimmy Garoppolo, but the price was too high. So, uh, I don't know what's going on there? That is weird. That I mean, I like I was just talking to um, Stogie Santa literally on the phone about a half hour ago, and we were talking about the San Francisco situation, and he says he thinks that that Garoppolo will be starting by Game Seven. And I Isn't agree. It weird though. It was very like, weird. You have the team that basically is publicizing to everyone they don't want this guy. And they're, and, they're just one and, game and away from the Super Bowl. Yeah, and they're close to the Super Bowl, this team. It's not like they didn't they they played well in the second half. Um I I but do you, yeah. Are they just really scared of their their new guy? I mean, I it just seems to me that like there's there's a lot of panic around that position to be so to be so wanting to trade him and then to sign him. Yeah. Is well, I think what happened is they found out they couldn't get, he didn't have the market that everyone thought he might have. Right. Or they, or the, I, I think they value, I should say. Yeah. I, yeah. That's a, that's going to be a weird team, I think. Yep. Yep. Oh, we're drifting into NFL talk here, Coop. What's yep, going well, on? Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, it's, it's that time of the year, right? <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I can't. I, I'll be remiss if we don't talk NFL, and I'll send out my <clears throat> commiserations to to Cigar Surgeon that you know for his Jets that the the year's over before it even begins. The quarterback gets injured. And... Oh, oh, uh, it's, it's 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 he just is so used to it. You know, a lot of people hide though, on some of the on the players the Jets have brought in. So we'll see what happens. I, I think his I... expectations are gonna. Uh, a lot of people aren't sold on the coaching staff in New York. I'll tell you that. No, no, and and New York's a tough. I mean, you would know, but yeah, New York's a tough place to to not get off on a good start. Solid, agree. They didn't agree. do great. Agree. Last year, so. Agree. I totally but, agree uh, on that. That division looks interesting though, because like between who knows what the Patriots are like, we don't really know what Miami's going to be like. It's no, I mean, a lot of people are thinking Buffalo is going to win 15 games. I don't think they'll win 15 games. They'll win the division, but I don't think they'll win Man, 15 they games. just smoked the Rams. I think the, I think the Rams are <laughs> awful, though. I don't think that – I think that team has got old fast, 
and uh, you know, well, Stafford, Stafford had surgery or whatever. Yeah. Well, yeah, his elbow. That, that's yeah. not good. No, no, they, they, you know, so they didn't look good at all. Man, he yeah. got sacked what like seven times or something? I think so. Yeah. Jeez. Yep. Yeah, defense web it wasn't wasn't playing up to what we thought. Yeah. Oh, listen to all that. Listen, see, but the, how about that cigar guy? Stefan Dace is on Buffalo. You can sort of this is like for me when the Packers were terrible. Yeah. Like you can't you couldn't root for the Packers, so you root for other people from Wisconsin that were on other oh, teams. Right, right. That's what you do with the Giants <laughs> now, yeah. <laughs> so like for me, it would be like, okay, who went to the University of Wisconsin and what, what teams are they on? So I'd root for, you know, um, Russell Wilson, root for some other people. You can root for the 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 um, Buffalo Bills because Stefan Diggs is there. He used to be on the Vikings. There yeah. you go. You can root for them. Oh, enough football talk. What People aren't here for the football talk, Coop. I love so, it. But... Well, yeah, 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 I agree. But uh, we get a little football talk in. Oh, um, and we'll probably have more of that as the season goes by. And we'll have some characters coming on the show. I'm sure we'll, uh, you know, we'll be talking about their teams and stuff like that. Oh, love it. Hey, speaking of teams really quick, uh, Dojo's got to be excited. They got Russell Wilson. They got a shot. People yeah. are really amped up on the. On the Broncos? A lot of people are high on the Broncos, too. Uh, he wasn't as high. I, I was on his show last night. He wasn't as high on it. He thinks he'll be improved. Um, but a lot of people picking that they may be able to get, get Kansas City. Now, that division is crazy. Yes, that is. I, I think Kansas City is going to win it this year. I, I really do. The whole thing or just the division? The whole thing. Woo! I think they got one more run in them. I think it's going to be the last run, though, for them. I'm going for the Raiders just because Devontae Adams is on their team now. And there I really you go. Like him. <laughs> I'm a big Devontae Adams yeah. fan. And, and and I'm telling you, I think Arizona is going to come out of the NFC this year. I, I think they're. God, they, they, they have to with the money they're giving that quarterback. Yeah. They gotta... I think he's good, though. I think he's a legitimate uh, top tier quarterback. So if, if they do another end of the season tank, that coach is gone. Yep. I, I think because they, they paid. Yeah. They paid. They pay Kyler Murray too much money to to, to, the, to yes. not win again. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, love, oh, love the football. I don't get to yeah. talk football out here. Love I it. know. That's why we, we give Dave uh, some moments on here to talk about it. Oh, love it. All right. Uh, I'm going to do some quick uh, music news here, Coop. Yep. And then I got a couple items to all add in there. Uh, really quick. So if you don't know, Dolly Parton has pet clothes. Coop, uh, we, I think we both, I think we both saw this at the same time yeah. on uh, Twitter. It's uh, so like you can get your dog like what, like a rhinestone jacket or whatever. It's right. weird. Have you purchased uh, but, this? Oh, uh, I, I probably will when I get to America. I, see, I probably will when I get to America. I don't know about if my dogs will like like. Wearing clothes, you know how some dogs don't mind they it. They don't like, yeah, exactly. Some don't though, yeah. I have a pretty big dog, and I don't think she'll like it. I'll see if they have a little hat I could put on top of her, maybe. Hat might she might do a hat. I'll see if they kind of have a hat. I'll see yep. if they have a hat. Um, yeah, a hat exactly. I don't know what's going. I don't know what happened with that, but Dolly said, "Sure, let's do it." And there you go. Um, it's just bizarre. Um, and Taylor Swift coming out with a new record, "Midnights." End of October, Coop. She dropped that uh, bomb at uh, the Video Music Awards. Yeah, I, I saw that. Um, 
And uh, is it part of a, it? It's an album. It's a full album that she's doing. Full album. So it's not a re a Taylor's way album. No, although she did release another 1989 Taylor version. Taylor, yeah, yeah. But no, I mean, it sounds like it sounds like during COVID she just recorded a ton of stuff, and now it's just getting sort of it's it's just getting released over time. Yeah, yeah. Um. Because to put out, what would she put out? Like one, two, three. She puts out this record with four records in two years or whatever. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. Especially in modern music. That's a lot of music. So it's a lot. Yeah. Usually, if, if it's, you know, that's a lot. Yeah. But this is shaping up to be one of the biggest music years in the last five years, 10 years. Because you got Harry Styles put out a record, Lizzo put out a record, Kendrick Lamar put out a record, Beyonce put out a record. Yep. And now, Taylor Swift's going to put out a record. It's like every big act has put a record out. Yeah. No, it has for sure. Which is crazy. Yeah, for sure. Even Arcade Fire came back with an album this year. Yeah, Arcade Fire, which is a very good album, by very the way. Yeah, that was a good comeback by them. Yeah, they needed they needed a little bit of a uh, kind of a uh, kind of get a, a little bit of a comeback album because they was they were kind of meandering out there yeah while. they were meandering yeah my my girl coffee put out a record it's just it's a, yep. this has got to be one of the biggest and i think it's what we talked about a while which is catching up is like everybody was was stuck in their home studios over covid and they were all writing stuff and so now like everything's coming out yeah and i think some of the stuff has obviously been going through uh some engineering some remixing, you know, just general cleanup and stuff. So I think, you know, there's prop some of these are, I bet you some people have a few albums in the queue already. Oh, uh, yeah. That they, you know, and they can kind of just slowly release those. Yeah. Well, I think that's what Harry Styles people said is that that record was actually ready a year or so ago. And then COVID kind of shut everything down. So they shelved it. Yeah. And then like went over it again and then released it now. So, yeah. so a lot of these records yeah. have been like delayed. Yeah. I'm predicting, uh, you know, the single uh, as it was is going to win the win the Grammy this year. I, I think it's okay. A, I, I am stone cold locking that as the record right. of the year. Um, it's ever. I, I'll be surprised if it doesn't. Is what I'll tell you. But we'll, I know those nominations come out. It's not long before we see Grammy nominations. I think it's like November. We're going to start That's, seeing them. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. Um. But yeah. So huge. Rec- I mean, I'm going through my top fifty of to- 2022. Uh-huh. And like the top 10, any song in the top 10, any other year could have been number one. Right. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. But no, it's uh, a very good year. Mm, but you got you have a uh, death in music here, Coop. Yeah. And we miss this. I miss this. Um, Lamont Dozier, who is a legendary Motown composer and producer. He's part of that epic trio you may have seen called Holland Dozier Holland. And the two Hollands are Brian and Eddie Holland. Um, he composed many Motown hits. He produced many Motown hits with, with the Hollands, including the Supremes. He died the same day as Olivia Newton-John. And I think it got completely overshadowed mm. with him. dying. This is a monster uh, figure in Motown who died. Uh, Lamont Dozier is considered, like I said, one of the best producers and songwriters ever, uh, and especially with Motown. So that I I was just kind of perusing, and I see something with the late Lamont Dozier. I'm like, when did Lamont Dozier die? Like, and it was mm. on August days. 
you know, so, you know, he's done songs like, you know, Where Did Our Love Go and Come See About Me. They're epic, supreme songs. Uh, you know, but he produced a lot of the Martha and Vandell is a good one. It's Nowhere to Run. Um, and you can just go down the list of, of, of what uh, Holland, Dojo Holland has done. Um, and the other two guys are still alive. But, yeah, that, that's a big loss for Bowtown for sure. Mm. No, definitely. And I love I love that Martha Reeves and Vandell song. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing that happened, Dave, um, about a week ago. Uh, the I know, and I just put this in the last minute because I finally watched it. Um, the Taylor Hawkins Taylor Hawkins tribute concert by the Foo Fighters. Yes. Now, yep. Look, I I'm kind of with you on the Foo Fighters. I, I I get I like some of their stuff. I, I think sometimes mm. they put it on level, but you can't deny what what Taylor Hawkins. Uh, he was an incredible drummer. But the 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 highlight of the night was his sixteen year old son Shane Hawkins comes in to play mm. my hero, and yeah, and I had heard about this and I'm like, oh here we go again. We're gonna make a big deal about the kid coming out in the drums, right? And and you know I think sometimes that's overplayed, right? Mm. This kid came out and 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 Dave he was absolute fire. Oh yeah, um he's the spitting image of of his father, and. He is going to be an absolute rock star, this kid. Oh, yeah. He went to town on the he drums. He went to man. town on the drums. It, and I know a lot of it was emotionally charged, but mm. the ability's there. You, you, and and, and oh. who didn't appreciate that, I, you don't have to be a Foo Fighters to appreciate what that kid did uh, with that band on that stage that night. Mm. Uh, remind me of Jason Bonham. Well, I think Jason Bonham is an incredible drummer, um, mm. but maybe better. Maybe better than, you know what I mean? Like I always thought Jason did homage to his dad, but this 16 year old mm. kid is the real deal. Yeah. He was really pounding on him too. Like he really gets after it. Yeah. It's he funny. Was really he started, it was funny. He started tapping the drumsticks and he realized he went a little too soon. And uh, he looks at Dave Grohl. Dave Grohl kind of smiles at him and then he kind of starts it again and he gets right into it at that point. <laughs> there was this, I think it was the middle of the song and he just went off. Yeah. Like, and then they gave him a little solo at the pounding end. Pounding on it. And you can see the crowd was responding to this. Um, and because they were doing this in England, I believe. And like I said, I had heard about everyone was talking about it. I'm like, okay, it's the it's the kid. Nice he's on stage, and I'm sure we're all gonna say nice, but no, this was this was a, an absolute uh what we saw here. I think we're seeing a a a mega drummer uh for the next 20 to 30 years. We're gonna start seeing this kid. I don't know. I don't know if he'll be in the Foo Fighters or not. Something tells me he won't, but um, mm. he'll be somewhere. Oh, yeah. I mean, so check it out. If you haven't seen it, you yeah. should see it. Yeah. Because he just goes off. He, he does. Um, I would, I, I, if I was him, I wouldn't go to the Foo Fighters. I think he's going to have too big an act to follow. So it'd be hard. Yeah. It'd be hard. I think he needs to go on his own. Yeah. Um, Cigar News. I got a cigar news question for you too, Coop. I'll let you go first. Yeah, um, kind of quiet right now. Uh, what I will say is, uh, cigar. We finally finished our PCA coverage, <laughs> so yeah, jeez, yeah, it's we spread it out. It went about a week longer than I wanted, but uh, there were a few companies that I ended up um like kind of covering without going to that booth. They they gave me some mm. information, so we gave them like the same amount of coverage. We just didn't have booth photos, so so it is done right now. So. Um, we are moved on now. We're, we're going to be at cigar of the year in another month and a half. 
Two well, congratulations time. to you, Coop, because no one, co- I mean, you cover it so well. It's a lot of work. So no, I congratulations it. to you, sir. Yeah. I mean, the guys did a great job. Aaron did the photography, which is really hard. Like we have to get better camera for him. Um, so he was constrained by not having the right equipment. Uh, ben worked his ass off on the video uh, post-production and the videography and Bear did all those interviews. So um, it was every, I had, a, I had the writing piece, which, uh, it, it seems like it went on forever, but uh, it's tough to do that, right? I, I need to take better notes next year, so. Right. Yeah. No, good I good work. And speaking of writing, I saw an article from you, you Coop. I just have a quick question on around uh-huh. the new flavored cigars that are coming out. Yeah, yeah. It came uh, out yesterday. Is that wise? In, in Like, in this, I mean, our, our flavored cigars, aren't they getting... Where's the FDA with that? I saw that and I was like, ooh, should you be releasing new flavored cigars or? Well, okay. So I'm going to give you my take on this because I'm glad you brought this one up. So what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to share my screen because I want to show you the pack. So here's my answer on this. It's still not it's still not um, illegal. It's not it's still legal to to kind of sell flavored cigars. So they're going to take advantage to do it. I think these are very simplistic blends that are infused. So I don't think there was a yeah, lot right. that went into this. Um, so that if you ask if it's why this is general, it's not, if I think a small company, it's completely um, ridiculous. Um, oh, right. Right. But here's what was interesting about this. Right. And I'm, I know we're going to be talking about this a lot over the next week, but this will be the first time I talk about it. Um, look <laughs> at these names. Uh, yeah, Ski Chalet. Oh, Jesus. Um, Fist Bump, Space Ranger, uh, what? Yacht Rock, and Unicorn. Oh, God. But they would now, now I do love this like retro 70s. On I that. love the look, they I don't did like a, the names, but the names were deliberate to not like, I think, like. Yacht Rock has like caramel is, flavor, right? Is it so that you don't know what it is? Like, I mean, why would yeah, they? I think Fist Bump has like ice cream cake, right? So yeah, oh, they're not God. promoting the fact that there's food, and it, they're not promoting. Oh. so they came up with these these kind of creative names. Um, with so is the... that to get around? Is that to get around regulations and stuff? Then? It, it it could be to or... get around like being const- like if they would have called this flavor caramel. Then yeah, yeah, say, yeah. oh, you're marketing caramel to kids, right? There's right. No, it's marketing this now. Um, unless you read maybe some of the shelf talker notes, right? Which yeah. you don't have to put up, right? Um, but yeah, I think that's what they're doing here. Is that? I, well, no, I'm gonna tell you, I know that's what they're doing here. I, I spoke to someone already in general. Yeah, well, that makes so sense. I, I, I mean, love, the, love, the, look. Like space love the look, though. I love yeah. the look. I, you know, um, I guess Space Ranger. They don't have a picture of a cartoon character, but. So yeah, these are actually gonna get sold, but like I said, okay. I think in general, this is a low investment for them. And hey, if it yeah. goes away, they got all this other if it was a company like like I'll just throw like an, an example like protocol, right? Yeah. They'd have to put a huge investment to doing something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wouldn't yeah, be yeah. wiser. But general, I think they can get away with it and probably uh, you know, write it off if it if it if it goes south. Yeah. I mean, hey, hey, I gotta tell you. I, I got, you know, I got to get Yacht Rock for the show, right? Yeah, I, I think I'm going to talk to them about getting the Yacht Rocks um, for that reason. We got to get some of the Yacht Rocks. They're petite Coronas, so, you know. Um, so, 
I mean, it, it, it's it, they're releasing a lot of flavors, man. Like they're really, yeah, like, what, one, two, five or something. Yeah, um, Ooh. five different flavors. Um, the list of the flavors. Um, Ski Chalet is. I'm, I'm sorry, Ski Chalet was the caramel cinnamon one. Fist okay, Cup was birthday cake. Oh uh, well, I gotta try that. I love chocolate mint and so. cherry. Right. Yacht Rock is simple sugar rum and cola. Hey. And, okay. and Unicorn Tears is cookie dough. What? Okay. <laughs> I blame. I don't know. I blame the. Oh yeah. Blame, was it? What, what, who did the? Who did the? Rocky Road ones that you all smoked or that Munchie, Munchies, awful cigar. Oh, I blame that. Well, and but the problem with those cigars were there were two problems. They were poorly constructed, but the packaging looked too much like an ice cream bag. Like no one's yeah. gonna confuse. No one's going to confuse this no, package yeah, for anybody's yeah, cigar with, yeah. here. And I, and I yeah, think yeah. that's the important thing to, you know, when you look at this, um, that's the important thing to look at is these do look like cigars here. I'll so, tell you what, I'm drinking a birthday cake bang right now. I've got to get that birthday cake cigar. I'm telling yeah. you, Flavor, i got to get that birthday cake cigar. Yeah, I, 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 think birthday cake. I, I think we check. I think we should check out these cigars, Dave. So, I mean, I'm gonna, I'll reach out to, to the uh, general folks. Um, so I am interested in these cigars. Um, I I always try flavored ones. I never really connect with them. No, I usually give them a go. No, they they usually score very low on coupe because the complexity is just not there. So like it it, it doesn't get any complexity points, and so they're they're bound to be like eighty five to eighty six scores at the highest. You know, I mean like the that. the problem for me is there's that point in the cigar. Where it, the cigar doesn't naturally progress, where it just gets dominated by that infusion. Yeah, and you're just you just you just there's no that like the any tobacco note is gone, and it's just all that sort of like fake flavor sort of thing. You know, Dave, I gotta go. I'm gonna put this back up one more time. I'm actually <laughs> thinking of some show ideas with all these, right? Hey, so, there so, you go. So. Like Ski Chalet, we could do winter songs, right? <laughs> Ski Fist Bump, we could do a hip-hop thing or something like that, I'm thinking. Oh, Space Ranger, man. future music, electronic yeah. music. Yeah. Oh, yacht yeah. Rock yacht Rock. And Unicorn yeah, yeah, Tears, right like, uh, heartbreaking songs. I, I, I'm just, I, I'm just pairing this very well with, with music, actually. Well, Space Ranger, you could do that whole, like, mothership funk. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Intergalactic funk, yeah. <laughs> hey, Flavor. Reach out to us, man. General, you know. Yep. Yeah. No, uh, they actually uh, asked us if we want to sample some, so I could see if I can get us some. So, in your opinion, is it just sort of like, we're going to put these out, see how they do, and just sort of ride it out. If we have to write it off, we write it off. Uh, exactly. I think exactly right. what they're doing here. Like I said, but I think it, I, I don't understand the guy from JSK because he's a lot smaller. Yeah. Why would you do this? Uh, you were making decent cigars. I mean, you're putting a lot of attention into something that may go away, and yeah. you're taking attention off the stuff that's been pretty good you've had. The 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 branding looks so cool. It, it did. I it had to, it. It reminded me of something me like anyway. you would you would go into like a motel, right? Mm. And they'd have um, you know, like they'd have us. They used to sell tobacco at like the front desk, and I guess yeah. at the front desk like that that yacht rock. You know, yeah, it's like a, it's like sort of like a, like a seventies cigar shop sort of yeah, vibe, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got, you anyway. got to, you got to give it to General. They, uh, hey, they, 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 they. 
No, but thanks for going through that. I was trying to like wrap my head around whether it was a good yeah. decision to do that or not. Yeah, that makes sense. Yep. Uh, speaking of cigars, developing palettes. I've been listening to them. Oh boy, what? <laughs> yeah, I saw what they did. Uh, so I just they had the big poppy firecracker, which was sort of like people were average on. I had the Toro of that, and I kind of liked it. I was just. I I thought the Toro but, was better than the firecracker of that, but. But those like celebrity cigars, for lack of a better term, they kind of go one way or the other, don't they? They do. Um, but I think that the, some of the big poppy cigars, like the Slugger one, I liked. Um, I just didn't think this one worked at all in a firecracker blend. I think they're with you. I haven't had it. They, they all gave it average. I mean, Aaron five five. That's he's gone worse with it. There's better they, firecrackers out there for sure. Oh, 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 coming your way. A wise man, Maduro firecracker. Oh, oh, I saw that. Yeah, I saw so, that. I, box. I picked us up a box. So the two guys, guys, uh, yep. They Ooh. gave me a box before they went on sale. Yep. Nice. Very oh, I, nice. I bought the box. I should say I bought the box. Nice. But, oh, but they were very you. generous. Let me tell you. Dave on my visit up there was very generous. So that's oh, good. At least I could do is buy a show. At least I could do is buy a show. box of cigars from the guy, right? So oh yeah, yeah. But he was it's very Dave generous. Yeah. But um, yeah. Hey, they should. St- hey, Oscar, you should still do the Superfly Firecracker. Do it, Oscar. Uh I Dave, I love that idea. I think oh. that's a, I think that'll be a great idea. Just because how strong that one was that we had. Yeah. I'm like, can you imagine that? A- oh. Anyway, yeah, um, I'll t- uh, I know we'll talk off air. Oscar, firecrackers. Oscar, you listen to this show, do yep. it. Yep. Um, yeah, and then the, they have a new Matilde cigar. I don't know if you've had it. Aaron was like the odd man out. Everybody else loved it. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. And that's coming out of Hostos's factory. It's the Matilde limited exposure, too. Yes. Um, it, yes. Yeah. I mean, um. And those old guys have been pretty hot, hard on the new Matilde stuff. So, and, but Aaron's the holdout, you know? He was. Yeah. He, he, uh, but he was going to try it again, I think. I think yep. he thought, he's like, just in case he got a, uh, <laughs> a uh, bad one. No, nah, it's, bad just, one, Aaron. Yeah. it's just Aaron. He hates everything. Oh, he liked, I was shocked when I, I listened to that show you guys did with, um, Dojo, I was shocked at like the scores he was given. Oh, everything, everyone was. I think he was even shocked. He was like, "Oh, you know, it's okay." And I'm like, "All right." And he's like, six six or whatever." I'm like, what? What was it the was, one? Uh, I I did the Camacho on one of those. I don't. I remember I did this Camacho. You didn't like the Camacho, I remember, and they love and it. the Dojo community went after me. Like, yeah, they love it. It's like the only other cigar that I've gotten pushback on for a review was when I gave Sin Compromiso at 89. Like, you think I killed a cigar? Oh, yeah. Like, and how can you do that to Steve? You cost Steve, <laughs> you cost Steve number one in the consensus. And some guy oh, God. Then you would have had as your number one cigar, and Steve would have won the consensus. I, I, I was getting blamed for that. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> God, oh, oh man. Oh man, right? Yeah, they they uh, they did. Yeah, yeah, they you were the odd man out on that Camacho. Yep. yep. Um, speaking of cigars, Coop. Yes. 
What are you smoking? All right. So, um, I, um, in, in tribute, um, to the queen who has passed away. Um, you say what you want about monarchy and all that, but you know, someone passed away, the queen who is beloved. I'm smoking uh, a cigar in a size called the queen's perfecto. Which is uh, the oh. Aladino Cameroon? Um, which I believe is I okay, think right. Cameroon was a Commonwealth country at one point, right? Um, oh, they, everything was a Commonwealth country. Yeah, every the whole world was right. But this is a really <laughs> unique size to Aladino. Uh, it's a five and a quarter by forty six. It's they call it a perfecto, but it's kind of like a almost like a Toro with a tapered foot. If you, I don't know if that's showing up very well on the camera, but. You can see it's it's, it's almost yeah. like an inverse yeah. torpedo in a lot of ways. So, oh yeah, yep, yep, yep. So so yeah, I'm gonna pay tribute to, to the queen. Um, you know, um, and uh, she lived a great life. You know, and I'm a smoke. Yeah. you're a big fan of that line, are you not? The yeah, the, yeah, the Cameroon. I really am. This has landed on a coupe list a couple of times. I mean, I even love the uh, the Lancero that came out in this line. Um, right. So it's a, it's a, it, it's the Cameron rapper grown in Honduras by Julio Aroa. Um, I just before the show smoked the CLE signature, which also right. uses that Cameron rapper. I don't put it up mm. there with, with the Aladino. The Aladino one's a better one. Um, I think there's a little sibling rivalry between the two brothers, but I'm going to give this one the Cameron edge to Justo and his father here. So, um, yeah, I held off on lightness because I wanted to show that foot. So I'm going to actually mm. fire mine up right now. Fire it up. Yeah. I, uh, while you're doing that, I got the uh, Underground 10-Year Corona Viva. Great. I mean, I, I am becoming more and more a fan of that Underground 10. I do like the Underground 10. I've had it in the Toro, which for, by most accounts is like the, 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 the size to have it in. I like the Robusto. I think the Robusto is the right. one to check. And the Toro are the two to check out. Yeah. But I, I've liked the Corona Viva in the in the regular Undercrown size. It's, I think it's a good size. I liked it in the regular Undercrown, so I thought I'd try it in the 10. Um, I love the packaging on this cigar coupe. I love the band with the 10 on there and everything. It, they, they really nice. did a great job. And it has that little... Um... It has that little bikini string, I call it, you know, to kind of go... Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, they, did a, they did a really, you know... This was kind of a little more of a premium undercrown they wanted to release here. Uh, and that was part of those mystery cigars originally with the Freestyle Lives. But I, when I smoked the mystery cigar, I thought it was good. But I think this was what, and the final product was much better. Oh, yeah. I mean, I like, I like undercrowns in general. Yeah. But, uh, yep. All right. Woo. Oh, the sweetness off this thing, Dave. I wish I, I wish I, you could taste it right now. <laughs> I had one of those. I can't remember what the I can't remember the size though, to be honest. Oh, uh, the camera. They also mm. make the Queen's Perfecto in the can Connecticut too. But I think right. can't yeah. But they uh there's a there's a Lancero, a Lonsdale, a Robusto, and a Toro. Maybe I had the Robusto, maybe. The Robusto is one of my favorites. A lot of people like the Lonsdale the best. I like the Robusto the best. This size is really good. This is I've had a few of these now. All yeah. right. Yeah. Track one scoop. So I thought of this. I was talking to uh, my wife about we were listening to music, listening to records and stuff mm -hmm. and listening to Spotify. And I don't know how it happened. But we started, started talking about 
because this is the conversations we have. Right. We start talking about track construction and we're like, where do people put their lead single? Yeah. And 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 for a long time it was like track three. Uh when you had albums, it was like kind of like your track three, track four. So so you're looking at like the middle of side A. Uh, and we're like, oh, okay. And then when CDs came out, it was like anywhere. Like some of them, it was like lead singles were track eight. Yeah. Like they were like all over the place. And then we start talking about like how album construction is out the window. This is all, you know, the normal conversations you have. We're like, album construction is dead. And then we're like, but we, we sort of were like, but the, the, the track one is still sort of, it still has it, an importance. It like, does. Even with CDs. Track one has still sort of like held on. And so what what my wife calls it is she calls it like the tone setter of mm-hmm. the record. Yep. Like it sets the tone. Yep. We always talk about how it teaches the listener about the record before they listen to it. Um, now, the classics, like I said, this is just sort of thoughts so of classics are Smells Like Teen Spirit, which we just did. Yep. It's like a classic track one yeah. and wouldn't it be nice on pet sounds which is like an album we did an album archaeology on a while ago is also your classic sort of track one saying the tone mitchell san on uh facebook said tom sawyer off of moving pictures that's i know he took, I, I had to take my rush song off like i didn't want to repeat <laughs> rush because he but he, it was a great one i mean it was great i was mm. going to do um just an early warning off um no off of um grace under pressure but we'll give mitchell the, the obviously canadian band so yeah, but like Mitchell, that's a great, that's a great, great. that's a great track Ooh. one. It's a, it's a, that's a, that's even better in a lot of ways than, than maybe distant early one. That just, we want to talk about tone setter. That is the one, as the song's going to set a tone. That's like when, so like with track ones that I found it either like teaches the listener about the record, like gives you a heads up, like what this record's yeah. going to be like, or what it does is it really tries to kick the record off hard. Yeah. Like get a real big kick kick off the record. Now, for this for this uh, exercise, I did not pick any tracks off of concept albums. Just be like the wall or OK Computer or something like that. Just because concept albums or track construction is about a theme and it's like a yeah. different sort. Of I stayed thing. away from. I think I stayed away from that too. Some yeah. may have a loose theme, but, but yeah, yeah, I stayed away from the concept. Uh, yeah, I agree. Yeah. On that, so what? What are you? What are your sort of initial thoughts when we're talking track ones here, Coop? Um, the other thing, just to kind of expand on your point about, t- you know, the gateway into the album. It sometimes is a gateway to the artist, right? So That's if you're going to hear point. an artist for the first time, um, you may have an out al- access to. You may have bought the album, or have access to the album. That track one is going to make that that first impression on you, right? Um, and the key thing is. The song has to make you want to go to the second track. Yes. Otherwise, it is not a good uh, opening song. Now, hmm. some album, there's a little bit of an exception to make with that. When you put those prelude tracks in, like sometimes what I see is they'll put a prelude track and really. I hear you saying. Track yep. one is track two, but these everything mm. I picked is a pure track mm. one, by the way, tonight. Mm. But for the most part, it's got to make you want to go to the next song, is what I'm saying with that. That's a very interesting point. The yeah. I, a point I love. That's a great point around some records have that like opening skit or just some like 
thirty second instrumental thing. Yeah, I, I, have, like one, I have one. I have one in particular that's going to be key with that, right? Yeah. Um. So yeah, you have to have that opening intro. You want that opening intro even to grab you. You know, and Dave, I thought maybe at some point we do, maybe we do a last track, we do a track two thing, because I think it could be interesting to kind of go through some of those scenarios. Um, now, here was the other thing that I struggle with. And Dave, yep. you said it, I think. Um, the importance of a track one has diminished as we've gone into, as albums have diminished in yeah. popularity. You know, we're in a streaming world, right? So that is unfortunate. But it seemed like the 80s were the decade for track ones. For whatever. Oh, yeah. 80s, late 70s, early late 80s. 70s. Yeah. I, I could have done, I had a, honestly, I had to take songs off, right? Because I had eight. Oh, I could have had. I had eight thousand. out of 10 were 80s. I'm like, I can't do that, right? So, you know, I, I had to take some off. And for example, one I did take off was, and this absolutely should be a track one. And I took it off is because we're going to cover it in a few weeks is let's go crazy. And on yes. so I said, we're going to cover that in a couple of weeks, but you know, that's a, that's as great a one as you have. But the same thing I didn't cover at the same time. I didn't do, I wanted to do stuff that we haven't talked about. Like, would yes. it be nice? Uh, we did pet sounds. I took that one off as well. And we'll mention yeah. it in like kind of the spirit of it. Yeah. So, you got to yeah. mention it, but yeah, I, I though, and I will, I will, I will push back a little bit. Uh -huh. I think track ones are making a comeback coup. I think, like, we'll talk about okay. Beyonce. And I'm not disagreeing. We'll... I probably haven't noticed no. it, but you, you're a little more on the pulse comeback. of music than, than I am. I tend to be track ones comeback. Uh huh. Well, I mean, I think I, I, I think to your point, which is an excellent point, because like people don't usually buy albums anymore. So what's the point of a track one? Well, because so, of the vinyl. Well, you know what? Now yeah. you're saying it because of vinyl revolution. Yes, that would make and, and CDs. It was still sort of important because like you still had to buy the CD essentially. Um, but you but could I randomize think, your CD. That was what the whole thing. Yes. You know, yeah. I think not with all albums, but I think the bigger artists like your Beyonce's your Kendrick Lamar's your Taylor Swift. They're assuming you're going to buy the album. And so track ones for those bigger artists are, are sort of yeah. making a comeback. I won't disagree with you on that. But it's uh, but no, but oh, I love talking track one. I yeah. love it. Let's just get into it. Yeah, let's get, let's get there. Yeah. What do you got here, Coop? All right. So I'm going in chrono. I did arrange mine in chronological order. Oh, nice. Um, but I didn't go very far back with this one. Right. So I went back to 77. I went back 45 years instead of like 60. Um, and the first song is uh, off the Stranger, uh, and it's moving out. A.K. Anthony's song by the piano man Billy Joel. Mm. Um, now what people don't realize about Billy Joel when the Stranger came out, he was in a slump. Okay, he had a couple of albums that really didn't hit. He had the, after Piano Man, like turnstiles and a couple of those albums really mm. didn't hit he was under mm. some pressure from the record company um and what he did basically is um he went back to the storytelling style of um piano man you know and it's like you know a whole anthony works in the grocery store you know it, it's and yeah. and to me um it's got a lot of things that you want don't want uh i think the storytelling that doesn't always work with a, a track one, but what Billy Joel does, um, he just kind of puts those 
will give you a heart attack, tack, 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 tack. You ought to know. Oh. Now, it's those little things that I think it, it kind of you don't have to absorb this story very deep is what I'm saying. No. Um, and, and it hooks you. It, it, it absolutely grabs you into uh, the Stranger album, which is an amazing journey of, of other things after that. Um, you know, and it's just, you know, you, you, when you get into, you know, scenes from Italian rest of Vienna and stuff, though, you know, so there's a lot more it's going to follow with, with that. So, uh, and obviously one of the iconic albums uh, in his portfolio. So, Moving Out is, uh, I think it's a great opening track to that album. And that's my pick for the first one. Great record. Great record. Uh, I love I love that record. That's a good. I'm very, how do I put this? I'm very sort of like, I, I really love Billy Joel's sort of like pre-84, 85. Like everything that in below, like 70s you, Billy Joel I really you like. You probably... Glass Houses and Beyond, you probably didn't have much use for them. Yeah. Yeah. It's sort of like Elton John. Like Elton John, 70s Elton John, yeah. I really love. And as you get like closer to like 90s and stuff, I kind of fall off. Yeah. I mean, I think once, I think Billy Joel really peaked between 77 and 82. I think that's where oh, he Oh, yeah, he did. Um, but The Stranger, I mean, that's another potential album archaeology in my book. But it, oh, yeah. I don't think they could have arranged the tracks better. Than they did on that album. There's eight tracks in there. Like, was it eight or ten? Um, they're arranged perfectly. Yeah, there, there's ten. I'm sorry, there's ten, and they're arranged perfectly. Mm. Yeah, it's mm. just it, I wouldn't change the order at all in them. Mm. Well, my first one is you know you got to go Dolly. Oh yeah, this <laughs> and this is a no brainer really. I mean. Uh, and I have a couple on here. It's Jolene. So, I mean, <laughs> record came out in 74. It's probably one of the most famous track ones. I mean, for her, anyway. Yeah, um, I mean, I would, it just has a track one vibe to it. Yeah, revolutionized country music and how women were depicted in songs with this song. Uh, rarely, too, we're going to have a couple. Uh, I have a couple on here. Some of these track ones are also title tracks, which is interesting. Um, that you're kicking your record off with the title track. Yeah. Uh, which which Jolene is a title track song. My next three actually are title track songs. I have none. I have none I of title lot. track songs. I was surprised how that came out. Yeah. I had a lot. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's a it's a it's a good it's a good title track song. Um, really kicks the record off. I mean, it's a big record. It's a, you know, you have the. Uh, the Whitney Houston cover on there as well. Yeah. Um, can't the the name escapes me at the second, but uh, but it's it's just a great record, uh, huge track, and so I had to I had to my track one for track ones. I have to kick it off strong with uh, Dolly Parton and Jolene. Nice pick. Not a surprising um, pick either. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, I wonder at that time she thought about like you know maybe in a couple decades I'll make some clothes for dogs. Maybe she was thinking of that. Okay, 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 mix, okay, mix, or cake mix. Yeah, who knew? Yeah, yeah. Oh, this is a this is a no brainer too. Your next one. I almost didn't want to include this one, right? Because it's a it's a soundtrack. But to me, um, it had a it had to be on it. I I I can't think. It's one Happy of the greatest honor. soundtracks of all time. Uh, it's the soundtrack is most associated with the Bee Gees, 
they're not the only artist on that. And the, and the song is staying alive. Mm. Now, the first thing to kind of note about Saturday Night Fever is it was released as a double album, right? And it really yep. was like each side of the album was its own mini EP, right? And there's they're kind mm. of the songs are really logically grouped together. And if you go to side one of album one in there, uh, you have five songs by the Bee Gees. So it's a it's a total Bee Gees side, right? Um, and they the first track is Staying Alive, right? You know, and it's you know that beat, you know where the beat for that song goes. Mm. Yeah, it's like it kind of gets you right into it, right? It's you if you've seen the movie a hundred times like I did. You know that John Travolta strut down 86th Street in Brooklyn, uh, where he goes to mm. Lenny's Pizza and grabs the pizza. He's going to pick up paint for his boss. It to me, it just was it was perfect to open that movie, and it's just the perfect opening song for this for this album. Um, and I think it's a perfect example of the lead track. Um, it's a song that wanted me to play over and over again. But I typically, I, like I said, I would typically, and I still do. I typically play Saturday Night Fever. The sides. I don't really play it from start back, start to finish. I put, tend to play a mm. side of it at a time. Uh, but still, nonetheless, of all the tracks, I think there's like 14 or 15 tracks on Saturday Night Fever on the two albums. There's some longer extended ones. This is this has to be the first one. I mean, there's, there's no. Oh yeah. That's there. Uh, I, I heard some talk like Jive talking, but Jive talking actually is on this. Mm. Here's, here's, here's the funny thing, Dave. It's not in the movie. They included it for some strange reason on the album. All right, not on that first side. It's on the third side. So, uh, so was it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, because that song, when you hear, it's got that beep. Boom, boom, boom. It's got that like the whole thing about the Miami Bridge oh. driving over the Miami Bridge, like one of the cars. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, but no, I, 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 this has to be the first song. No, great, great uh, yeah. pick. Yeah, Coop. Yeah. Uh, your next pick. Too, by the way, is phenomenal. But um, <laughs> you got some good. So, this, I can't wait to talk about your your segment here. In doing this, I found out that Madonna is like the queen of track ones. Holy cow! Like, this her is a great track pick. ones yeah. are crazy. Yeah. So just to go down it, she has a history of track one bangers, and a lot of them are title tracks. The one I picked is a title track. So we got we got like a prayer by Madonna is what I picked. But listen to some of these track ones, Coop. Hung Up, your song. So Hung Up, that's a track one off of Confessions on a Dance Floor. Lucky Star is a track one. Material Girl is a track one. Papa Don't Preach is a track one. They are massive. And, the, and it's very bold to have, in some of these cases, her lead single is the track one, which is usually not where it's placed. Right. And um, a lot of people don't remember that Material Girl was the lead single on Like yes. a Virgin. Not Like yes. a Virgin. Yeah. No. Yes. So, I mean, I think Nirvana did it with Smells Like Teen Spirit. But usually your lead single is not your track one. It's usually like three, four, yeah. somewhere in there. Um, but what Madonna really likes to start her records off hot. Yeah. <laughs> like, she likes to really, for what I've seen, she likes to start them off banging. So, Bang it, yeah. Oh, so yeah, uh, I love this song. I love Madonna. We need to do a Madonna show. And We've so, been talking about Madonna show for a long time, by the way. Um, but uh, yeah, like a prayer is is my track one. My next yeah, one, yeah. I, I actually, you know, I think it was this was great. And what you mentioned about her, you know, I want to mention go back to Lucky Star just for a second. 
that's her first song off her first album, right? Yeah. So you want to talk about a way to get into Madonna? How great is it to start off with Lucky Star? Yeah, it's just saying? like yeah, yeah, it's just all bangers, and it's like she just it's it's interesting because it's it, it's like a pattern. It's almost like it's like that's how. It's like she's like, this is how I'm going to start all my records is I'm going to start off hot. It's like it's like a purposeful thing, because, you know, I don't think from a lot of the other bands I looked at, I don't know if any of them, any artist like has that pattern of track ones like that. Yeah. They're huge songs. If they're not the lead single, they're like the second. Yeah. single. Yeah. But um, yeah, she just absolutely on all of her albums. You're right. It's, um, and it it does what it needs to do. It gets you into the want make you want to listen to the next track. Well, think of it, Coop. Like we both really like Confessions on a Dance Floor. Yeah. Um, and she kicks it off with Hung Up, which is like a huge song. Huge. Huge. One of the best. Wow. I just I think it's one of the greatest sample songs ever done. So hey. it, that that's a track one. So so yeah, Madonna, Queen of Track Ones. No, no. Um, put this into your um. Put this into your uh, factoids here, if you may. Madonna will be a senior citizen next year. Oh, I know. Sixty-five years old. She she just so my oh, wife okay. just <laughs> yeah. my wife just listened to her in an interview talking about uh, I think it was it was hung up I think it was hung up where she was talking about so she sampled an ABBA song right and like nobody samples abba like abba's like oh there's nah. a whole story with that yeah she had to go like uh, beg, beg she, to get she, this is madonna right yeah madonna yeah and she like she doesn't just call up abba's people she gets on a plane right cuz they already recorded the song so they're like well we need to get this clearance right she gets on a plane flies out there meets them plays them the song in person and they're like sure and sign off on it. Sure, just give me our money. Just give us some money, and uh, you know. Uh, <laughs> but Madonna's like, I'm not leaving anything to chance here. I'm no. going out there myself. That's no. crazy. No, and, and you know what? You know, good job by her on that. First of all, and good job by Abba. I, I mean, yes, they should get paid on it. I'm, not, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm yeah. one of that king's ransom for it. But I mean, that in that album, you, you know what I? That's what I think of that I album. Love that album. Yeah, I love that album. Um, yeah, so it exactly did what it needed to do there. So there you go. And you're, now your next one. I think this is a classic. Yes. Classic. It's a deeper tra track. First though. track. It's I love deeper. it. I yeah, so, love it. Yeah. So um, it, the artist is Led Zeppelin. Mm. Uh, the artist, uh, the album is not what you may think. It's In Through the Outdoor from 1979. Mm. And the song mm. is In the Evening, right? Mm. Now, I've said it, Into the Outdoor is my favorite Led Zeppelin album. Um, mm -hmm. it, it, You've said it. it it's, it's an experimental album for sure. And what do you get right in the um, at the beginning? You get this, like, Jimmy Page using a violin bow and, giz and a gizmatron effect on his guitar. And you get that mm. drone sound. You know? mm. And then mm. a little bit of a psychedelic feel. And then boom, 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 boom. Yeah. And mm. and this song's just I think it's one of the most underrated the song in the evening is one of the most underrated Led Zeppelin songs. The riffs in that Jimmy Page oh. performs in this song are incredible. Um I, I could argue this is one like I I the problem why this track never got the love is because it 
they didn't do much with this song afterwards. You know, because no. when Bonham died, they didn't really perform live. But I think if they had toured, I think this would have become like one of the classic songs um, in their repertoire. And, and what I mm. like about this album, like, okay, it's gonna it's it's if you're if you're open to a little bit of an experimental Led Zeppelin, this is gonna do it for you, in my opinion. If this song doesn't do it for you, Into the Outdoor is not the album for you, is my opinion. Uh, it, it's it's that simple. Mm. Oh, I I think that this is an inspired pick by you, and I love it because like you got, I mean, it's a classic track one in the yeah. sense that it's teaching the listener what this album is about. Oh, yes. Yes. Because for decades you had Zeppelin as this like straight up hard rock yeah. blues rock band. And they're like, no, this album's a bit different. We're trying new things. And then it's because it's what's classic about it is it has that really experimental like first movement of it. You're right, where it's like and all this like crazy uh guitar and stuff. Yeah. And then when they kick in the drums. It's like, oh, this is the Led Zeppelin that, that we know. Zeppelin it that we yeah. know. Yeah. But then they mix in, they mix in, um, they mix in the guitar and stuff. So it's like a really, it's it's. I love it. It's a track one. It's excellent. Yeah. It's an amazing pick. I love yeah. it. No, I think the other thing is this. This is about almost a seven minute track. So a lot yeah. of the even the classic rock stations, I think, stayed away from it. Um. And they would rather play "Fool in the Rain" as a, you know, which was a six-minute yes. track. Yeah. So. Yes. Yeah. But oh, I, I, my thing, yeah, I just love this song. Yeah. I think it's the best song on the record. Yeah. Oh, oh it's such hey, a you good can make song. That, you can make that argument for sure. I, I would not. I'm going to listen to this song later. It's so good. Yeah, and Great like I said, pick. you'll you'll really get into it um, as well. You know, it's funny. The, it's funny. The the weakest song, the weakest track on the album is actually probably the last track. So. What is that? Hot dog. Which one's the? I'm gonna crawl. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Hot dog's the other one. Hot dog, hot dog, and I'm gonna crawl. And the ones I think that hurt this album a bit, but it's not. They're not bad songs, I'll say. But it, no, it's a great, it's a great yeah. pick. Yeah, it's a great. Thank pick. you. Uh, so I went with N.W.A. Straight Out of Compton. There you go. So we got three title tracks in a row. Um, I put like it's interesting because this is like the hip hop version of Jolene. Uh. It's a track one and a title track, one of the biggest hip hop records of all time. Yep. Uh, it's probably and and it starts off with uh, the quote, uh, you're now about to witness the strength of street knowledge is the quote. And then they kick in the song. So it's like the quote sets up the entire record. Because it's like the as the listener, you're you're now bearing witness to, to what the record has to offer. So even as a track one, just starting it with that quote is like setting you up as the listener to be like, well, I'm witnessing an event here. Yeah. Cause it's yeah. not like yeah. it, the, the, the quote isn't like, Oh, you're now about to listen to blah, blah, blah. It's the, you're now about to witness. So it's, and, and it's, it's inspired, you know, countless. It, it's probably one of the biggest track ones in hip hop history. It's gotta be. Yeah. Um, And yeah, you gotta have it. And this was, and to get to your point, Coop, this was like 89. So it's like at the height of that sort of track one thing. Um, it's similar to Nirvana in a lot of ways yeah. in that, like, it's a massive track one. I don't, um, and yeah, so it's sort of at the heyday of track ones. And it's, um, I guess hip hop, hip hop really isn't known for its track ones. No. But, uh, but this is definitely a, uh, a massive track one. 
you know, yeah. And the other thing I, I think about this song, which people may not know, is there's a lot of sampling going on on this whole album. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you have a little bit of Funkadelic in there, a little bit of James Brown in there, yeah. a little Wilson Pickett. So I mean, it's a, it's a, there's a lot going on with this song. And uh, it, like I said, it's a good track. One, it's it's a four minute and eighteen. That's that's not bad. I mean, that's a good, you know. So it, it you know, so it, yeah, it's definitely one of the iconic hip hop uh, track ones. Definitely, you no, know, definitely. Oh for yeah. Sure. Ooh. Oh. oh no! A dedication to Sensei. Well, that's the next one. We want to have. I rearrange. I may rearrange this. Oh, you rearranged. Oh, yeah. I was looking at the show notes here. Yeah, I think I rearranged it, so I'm going in order. Yeah. So we'll we'll come. Which to uh, which is the next one? All right. Uh, Upside Down by Diana Ross off the Diana album in 1980. Oh, I knew you were gonna have. Yep. Nice. Um, probably the best lead track that Diana Ross did. The Diana album, uh, first of all, that intro, bum, 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 bum. and then, you know, there's a, the orchestral sound that this has, uh, produced by Niall Rogers and Bernard Edwards of Chic. Uh, a lot of friction in the, oh, the studio yes. with Diana and those two. <laughs> yes. um, she really wanted to fire them, and they wanted to pull their names off the albums, but it became a hit, and, and in the end, everyone kind of smiled. You know, I don't think they worked together again after that, but... Uh, it was also one of Diana Ross's <laughs> final tracks with Motown. <laughs> yeah, I, I I could just see them trying. Like, look, I think Bernard Edwards and now they they incredible producing career they had. I could just see them button heads though in the studio. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, you're you've you've said before, and correct me if I'm wrong, because you're you love Diana. We both love Diana, but yeah. Um, you were sort of saying too that like she's she takes well to really good production. Yeah. Like she could really put out some great stuff when paired with a good producer. Yeah. I mean, she worked with Barry Gibb a few years later um, as well. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, she definitely worked well. And at the time, you know, uh, Rogers and Edwards were were just so getting into the production game. They were doing stuff with yeah. Chic. Their, their band. Now they were starting to produce other artists. It was still a little early. Uh, I have another... Uh, they're going to produce another song on my list later on. Um, oh! But, but yeah. Um, that... Um, but yeah, so I think a, there was a little bit of that. Like, maybe Diane's like, who are these two guys to come in and, you know... Um, but she brought them in. That's the whole thing. So... But I think in the end, that, that end product, you know... And it's just, you know, I can listen to Upside Down without the vocals. As much as I love Diana, don't get me wrong, I love that instrumentation that was put in there. Uh, it, it's just, but yeah, I think it's, Diana was always as good as her producers were. In the end, I think they realized, everyone realized, they, they, she did good, because this is a song that's in her repertoire 40 years later. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I was just thinking, like, um, I was just thinking, like, uh, What's another good Diana track one? And I think it'd be the late, her latest album, Thank You. That yeah. title track is a track uh, one. I almost put that and one the in. Lead, and the lead single, which yeah. is interesting. Yeah. But that's the only one I could think of. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of tough with some of the Supreme stuff. Um, yes. You know, um, and then she did a couple of those other ones were like soundtrack album, Mahogany. Yeah. Like, Lady Sings the Blues and all that. So. Excellent pick. But yeah, uh, for the most part, I think this was, you know, 
I think the bigger song probably was um in um you know I'm coming out, but that wasn't the first track. But it's a yes. I guess it's a good no. album. This song will get you into the rest of the album. Uh and I think this song went number one for her too. So it, like I said, mm. when things like that happen, all of a sudden, you know, everyone could 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 kind of get along again. <laughs> yes. Um my next one is kind of talking about how track ones have made a reappearance is Taylor Swift with Welcome to New York off of 1989. And yep. the reason I picked this one is it's sort of classically how we talk about track ones in that she had a long career of like sort of country kind of like merging into pop a little bit. Uh, but this was the first like I'm straight pop record. And um, it's not the biggest single off the record, but it's a Taylor Swift record that starts off with like all this synth and all this heavy pop. Yes. And you're like, what? <laughs> so like, so it, as a listener, what Taylor Swift is saying is like, this is me now. And really announcing like, this is my move into pop. Like I am here because yeah, it's got, yeah. it's using all the stuff that she would never have used. Um, and so that's why I have it as a track one. It's more of like I agree te the this. teaching the listener thing. Yeah. Yeah, because we talked about this album being a big change away from the country she was doing. I remember when we yes. were doing the show with Seth yes. on that. Um, and and this track really announces that because it's so heavy synth that it's unlike anything she's done. And you're like, huh? And so if you're a Taylor Swift fan at that point, you're like, wow, this is quite a shift. And it sort of has rocketed her up to where she is now, this whole album. But this yep. is sort of like the marker of that. Yeah. No, I agree. I think this was a great. I, and like I said, I kind of like the when you when an artist goes through a transition, um, in their yeah. style, and they come out with an album. You know, and we just mentioned Led Zeppelin too. You got to have a song that's, that's going to hook you into that transition. And, and this is yes. a perfect one that does that. I think this is a lot like that Zeppelin song you picked in a lot of in a lot of yeah. ways. Like yeah, no, I think I, the more I think about it, you're right. Yeah. Um. So now your your notes are everywhere. So I don't know what you're doing next now. Uh, no, so I'm uh I'm up to the reflex. Okay. Okay. I gave it so away. This, right? is, this is the one that 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 sensei is gonna lose his mind over. So let me tell let me tell the backstory because this song was going on here no matter what. It's the song's the reflex. It's from Duran Duran's Seven and the Ragged Tiger album of 1984. This was the heyday of Duran Duran right now. So I. You know, when I look at the members of Duran Duran, I think the guy who is, I mean, everyone knows Simon, great voice. Mm, but yeah. John Taylor on the bass, and he's on a couple of tracks here, is an absolute beast on the bass, right? And he's been putting up some educational videos, right? So I just shared one on my social media, right? Oh, and no. Eric comments, the reflex is one of the worst songs ever. Just absolutely craps on this song, right? And he just said he is all over this song, like, 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 like this is terrible, you know. Oh, so, Jesus. I'm dedicating this to Eric. I warned him that it was coming, right? But it was gonna be on the list anyway, which is kind of funny. I had it on the list anyway. So um I love everything about this song. 
Uh, it's a very heavily mixed song. Uh, I love the lyrics. They're kind of these, they're very pop MTV like lyrics, but mm. man, mm. John Taylor's bass is absolutely riveting. And Simon LeBond's ageless voice is, is incredible. And, and the, the, the vocal range he uses and the harmonies he hits. Uh, yes, it's a very heavy mixed song. And I think that's probably why he doesn't like it. Um, but uh yeah i i seven i to me i don't think seven and the rag tiger is necessarily as strong as rio was as an album um and i always pick rio as the other one but yes this out this song is gonna be enough to carry you through the rest of, of seven and the rag tiger um mm. like if 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 rio is a if you know this is maybe there's probably third or fourth best album is what i'm saying uh, but it was still okay. a heyday. They still had a lot of hits off this album, too. So, yeah. you know, Seven and the Red Tiger wasn't necessarily a flop for them. Um, but it was kind of the, I call it really, it was, they were starting to close, uh, uh, they were starting to close mm. out the uh, MTV era at that point, for mm. sure. Um, but it gets you into the next song, New Million on Monday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so, yeah, I, I'm a fan of the reflex. Uh, sorry, Eric. <laughs> I don't know nice. why he's always shitting on my artists. <laughs> hey, I, hey, man. Now he's going to throw me and jinx me. Don't jinx Duran Duran. They're going in the hall. I, I told him they were Hall of Famers, and, he, and uh, <laughs> then he just started. Uh, <laughs> well, he won't like this next pick either, then. The, I don't think he likes this record. Mine? Uh, no, mine. mine. Okay, yours. Um, Let's... Mine is uh, Rolling Stones. Oh, he's gonna hate. Oh, he'll hate this one. Yeah, he hates. He hates the Rolling Stones. So yeah, we'll dedicate this one to him too. I I knew you were picking this one. Otherwise, I was picking. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Rolling Stones. Give me shelter. It's off of Let It Bleed, which I think one of the best records ever made. Very different first cut album song, though. I think so. uh, Let's talk about this one. Yeah. So I love this record. I love the song. Yeah. Uh, it's got it's it's got some of the best backing vocals in the history of music by Mary Clayton, who came in at like two in the morning, eight months pregnant to sing it. Right. <laughs> uh, they called her up. She got out of bed. She came down. She did two takes. Uh, you can hear in one of the takes that uh, Mick Jagger is so like amazed by her that he's like hooting in the background and it gets picked up on Mike, which is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, it's just an amazing track one. Like it really sets the album off. Uh, the song itself defines that era. It's like a classic, uh, classic song of that era. It's it's a great track one off a great record. Give me shelter, Rolling Stones. That that the you know Mary Clayton. It, I'll I'll put her Mary Clayton. She was the top. Right. I, I've mm-hmm. seen a lot of other artists come in and do this. Uh, the only other one I've really seen do really good with it besides Mary is um, Fergie. Uh, yeah, so you, pretty good though. You two came out and did this song with Fergie and Mick Jagger at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductions, and there's this Fergie Mick Jagger showdown that happens with the judo right. ch- the judo kicks and the, oh some judo the, and, and and Mick's getting completely dominated by Fergie and this kind of, and ah. and Fergie's wearing like the the short leather skirt right, and, and Mick is like the dirty old man is like. <laughs> Like, oh, Mick, man. But, 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 but what uh, a perform- yeah, what a performance. I mean, it's just a great, and you don't see track ones like that often. It's a great record. I love it. I, like I said, it, I think it's one of the it, best it, records it, ever made. 
and they do this. I think they open some concerts with this sometimes too. It eases you into that the Let It Bleed album. It eases you in, you know, that opening sequence I talked about is so important. It eases you into that whole what's going to happen. Yeah, it's a great record. It's yeah. a great track, a great yeah. record. So yeah. uh, sorry, Sensei, love yeah. this record. Yeah. Uh, your next one, Coop. So Studio by Phil yeah. Collins. Yeah. Uh, no jacket required. Uh, album uh the read tech is the studio 1985 um it's a quirky song right um i don't know how else to say it it's quirky it's the name susudio is a word he made up right <laughs> oh, that's what i was wondering what's this what's a studio? Uh, i just made up a word it's a studio you know um <sighs> and it works no jacket required is a absolutely I, I think it's folk you know when i look back at phil collins's career his solo albums this is the best solo album he did it won it won rightfully won a grammy uh it's a, every track is great on that song but this one's kind of cool it's this quirky uh the, the sound is quirky the word is quirky he is quirky but it mm. works but the rest of the album is not quite as quirky which is why this song works so well it's kind of you know get you into Phil Collins. You know, if you want to, you know, you'll get Phil Collins. Uh, it will get you into it. So, um, I I, uh, I like this song a lot. I like right. this, like, well, yeah, yeah. I, it's also a good live song too. I've heard him do this live. Is that his uh, biggest record, solo record? I would say think? it's Mount Rushmore for him. Uh, mm-hmm. I would say against all odds. Is probably oh, God, I love that song. I yeah. love that song. And he, Against All Odds came out right before this, so I would probably put that on there. It, you know, I don't think Take Me Home was as big as the studio. One More Night was actually the single release, was the first single released, right? Which is the fifth track. So studio was the second single released, um, which is kind of interesting. Sometimes, the, the, you know, I notice a strategy, right? And I think this is important to say is, Sometimes they don't want to release the first track as the single because it will compete with itself, if that makes sense, right? So you release mm. One More Night first, right? And then mm. you, and the album comes out a few weeks later, and now people can start getting into the studio. And then that starts getting the radio airplay. So I, I think it's an interesting strategy they did with this album. Mm. Good record. Good. Pick. I like it. I like this. I like that song. It's mm. a, it's not a deep song. It's but it, it's a, it's a quirky, fun song. Yeah. 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 Uh, my next one, uh, Guns and Roses. Welcome to the jungle. <sighs> I uh, I knew this one was gonna be picked by you too. This this is you're talking iconic first track here. It is iconic. Yeah. This is one that many people consider would put at the top of any list. So it's it's your classic. Uh, track one energy sets the scene for the whole record. Kind of ushers in that LA whiskey rock scene, like with LA guns and like that whole. Yeah. Thing. Yep. Um, just a banger. Track one. I mean, it really sets it off. I don't. I mean, Sweet Child of Mine is probably the big single off the record, but th- this this really sets the record off. This track. Yeah. I mean, how do you like? You know, it's. It, I, I've seen I was actually doing some research on lists and this song showed up in the top three on most of the lists and number one on many for the greatest opening track of all time I, and it's hard to argue it it is hard it's a good it's a even just the name of the song oh Welcome yeah to the jungle 
Oh yeah, <laughs> it's a perfect gateway perfect into appetite yeah. for destruction. Oh yeah, it's a great, it's a great, yeah, it's a great title. It's a great track. Any anytime you have a track uh, titled "Welcome," that's right. the opening track. Yeah, but yeah, "Welcome to the Jungle." It's like the jungle, yeah. this 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 hard rock experience that you're gonna get. Yeah, yeah. It was it was brilliant. I mean, it was a brilliant title. And the placement was I had to say I have to say it was a no brainer. Oh yeah. Point. Like if you're constructing an album, I mean oh, yeah. again, Sweet Child of Mine, uh and Paradise <sighs> Alley is also on this album, right? Yeah, Paradise City, yeah. Paradise City, Paradise, I, I mean there's a lot of big singles off the record. A lot of big singles off the record. But yeah, but, uh, yeah, but this one was so, the one that had to be the opening mm, track, mm. and a great track, and a great track. Oh, great track! Yeah. Uh, uh, your next one, Coop. This is a band that you love that we don't talk about a lot, so I'm glad that it's on here. Yeah, the band is the Power Station. Mm. Uh, 1985. Uh, uh, the album is an EP called the Power Station. It, it was a short album, and the song is "Some Like It Hot." Nice. Uh, now, the John Taylor. This is where John Taylor comes back. So, around 1985, Duran Duran they went and they went and took a break, um, and they kind okay. of went into different factions. Um, John Taylor and Andy Taylor, the guitarist, they wanted to do some more heavier rock oriented stuff. And I would I want to say. Simon LeBond, Nick Rhodes, and Roger Taylor, they wanted to do more experimental type of stuff. So they mm-hmm. formed a group. They formed this like offshoot group called Arcadia. But at the time, Power Station was billed as a big-time supergroup. Um, they had recruited Tony Thompson, who was the drummer from Chic, and they bring in a vocalist who wasn't with, kind of had a, he was kind of known, but he wasn't a star uh, by the name of Robert Palmer. Yes. Um, they go into the studios uh, in New York called the Power Station, and they, they do an all-night recording session. Um, and this song is uh, – this is just the opening track. And you want to talk about an intro to a song, right? And again, you want to talk about a transition in styles, right? When you hear that, that, that those blistering drums of Tony Thompson, right? Uh, at the beginning, like this isn't something that the, the John and Andy Taylor had done before. Right. And then John mm-hmm. Taylor comes in with that bass. Right. And then Andy Taylor has a guitar solo midway through this thing. Right. Um, I mean, the starters, I mean, I, as much as I would say the starters is Tony Thompson's drumming is thunderous in this song. Right. It's thunderous. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a I when I look back at this song. You know, and I go, I, when it came out, I don't think I appreciate it as much as I appreciate it now. It is a friggin' mm. I, I'm into this song, right? It's got a little bit of a funky vibe to it. It's got some heavy, heavy guitars and drums. Uh, completely different departure from Duran Duran. I, I don't think Duran Duran could have pulled this off, unfortunately. Uh, I just don't think this mm. is Simon's. I think Simon has sung this song a couple of times, though. I think he's done okay. it. I think they have done it. But they... The bad thing about what happened with Power Station is when this out when this EP, I'm like, this is great, right? So they they booked they originally just this was just supposed to be a jam session. They were recording in a studio, and they released the EP, right? Hey, mm-hmm. let's go on tour. And then Robert Palmer's like, I can't go on tour. Um, I'm recording Riptide. 
which is my I'm recording my album. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm bo- I have this. So he came. So they bring in this this guy, Michael DeBarris, and he was awful. I mean, mm. it was just he just was he was some actor who who played who sang right. It was awful. It was the the tour was a, a colossal disappointment, unfortunately. But uh, mm. if they had Robert, that just showed how important Robert Palmer was to that band as well. But I love that song. I, I nice. great lead track, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh oh, I kind of go a little bit uh off the beat past this. I have Bob Marley with "Lively Up Yourself." This was an interesting pick. Yeah. Uh, I picked it. It's off of Natty Dread 1974. I guess the reason I picked it is like this is his first record without Peter Tosh or Buddy Whaler. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, is a major hit to the band. But it sort of sets the tone that even without these guys in the band, even big big changes in the band, that he's still, you know, I'm he's still yeah. ready. Yeah. It's a it's a very sort of upbeat song. Um, it's 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 kind of it's kind of showing off that like, you know. Even though there's these changes to the band, like, you know, I'm still putting out music. It's a very sort of statement song, I think, uh, around that. Even with all these changes, like, you know, I'm still here putting out putting out good music. So uh, that's that's why I picked that, because it's sort of I think two track ones could be good if there's a lot of change in the band. Yeah, I agree. You, if you put out a, a really solid track one, it's sort of it's sort of is, is setting the tone that, like, even though there's changes in the band, like I'm still here and and we're still making music. So it's, it was a big sort of transitional period for him losing those two people. Um, and yeah, so that's why I chose, chose that one. That's a good pick. I like that one. Um, yeah. And it's just good to get some Bob in yeah. there. A lot of, it's a big record. A lot of Bob's singles aren't really track ones. He doesn't have a lot of huge track ones. It was interesting. There was some artists I went through that didn't have a lot of good track ones. No. Um, it was very interesting when I was going through it. You know, I was trying to see if there was a Donna Summer one. Uh, there was yeah. one I had. With, with, I thought about hot stuff. I didn't include it in the list. I didn't think it was a stronger number one um, track as I would have liked. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was tough. There was some artists that just didn't have that. Your your next track is a very strong number one track. Maybe the best one on my list, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. It's not one that I see on these lists ever. It's an excellent pick, though. Oh, so the song is from 1990. Uh, the artist is Paul Simon. The album is The Rhythm of the Saints, and the song is The Obvious Child. Great pick. So, Great pick. Little background Paul Simon's Rhythm of the Saints followed up Graceland, right? Uh, oh. Which is now Graceland was that where he incorporated the whole African sound into yep. that. You Lady know, Smith the, was on that record. Yeah. Yep, yeah. Now, I didn't think Boy in the Bubble was a great no. first track. Okay. That was the, no. the one for Obvious Child. Um, he's got, it's got that. Now, what, what, what he did with Rhythm of the Saints is he incorporated the Brazilian sound with the African sound for that mm-hmm. album. And, uh, you know, I don't think this album gets the, uh, the due it should get. But when you no. get that, that whole intro, right, with, with, and it's a great instrumental one. You get some of those Brazilian and African drums going. And then then the band comes in with some of the horns. It is hard. It is hard to top that. Uh, yes. It, it, it is really hard to top that, right? Um, and, you know, when he did the concert in Central Park, 
mm-hmm. were, they were broadcast like uh, one of the radio stations in New York were broadcasting outside of that concert, right? And it was a DJ by the name of Scott Muni, right? And he's like just kind of talking. You know, they can't they can't broadcast the concert, right? But he's just talking about the vibe there, and you hear the intro to Obvious Child, and he it just he can't talk anymore. Right? It's just it blows you away. Um, to me, it's a hard one for me to just top that song. Um, I think it's one, oh, of, yeah. one of my favorite Paul Simon songs, and he you know he's got a legendary uh, portfolio. But this song, mm. to me, hard, hard, it gets you into the rest of the rhythm of the Saints album and uh, makes you really appreciate what that album brings to the table. No, that's an excellent pick. Very underrated pick, which is why I love it. And, yeah, uh, it, no, it's it, but me, pick. if I had to pick up my favorite of the ten I talk about, this is my favorite one. Mm, mm. Now, my next one. I don't know if any. I don't know if there's been any more pressure on a track one than this one. Well, this is another one that showed up number one on a lot of lists too. It's uh, Bruce Springsteen with Thunder Road. Yeah, off, off of Born to Run. Um lot of pressure on this record to do well so yeah. this is the th- this Same is the thing. third yeah third record by bruce yep famously this took bruce forever to do to complete this record mm-hmm. I, I, he rec- it took him like 18 months to record it uh the track born to run took six months alone to get that song recorded um there's a lot of pressure by the record company to have this record perform well commercially there was a lot of pressure on this record uh-huh um and he knocked it out of the park like that time was worth it this is this record then with born in the usa like this this shoots him up to superstardom um it it it, it does commercially yeah. extremely well uh it's an excellent record oh um, my goodness it it, it yeah um, and it really sets the scene for his sort of storytelling around the working class, around suffering in the working class, around like the beauty you find like in Midwest America, it really sets the scene for that. And like I said, it was a, it was a very pressured record that, that uh, paid off that, that did it. Yeah. And Dave, you talked about uh, his previous album. This was his third album. Uh, that was the, the wild, the innocent, the East street shuffle. It had its mm-hmm. moments because it had Rosalita, but the album didn't do what they were. They were the record company was like, Bruce, you need you to have like a it. monster hit here. Like, like Bruce, when are you going to deliver this monster hit? Yeah. Uh, and, and, and this was the one that did it. And they and, poured a ton of money into making it. It was sort of like do or die for Bruce at this record. Yeah. Really? It was a very, yeah. it was a big turning point for him. Yeah. This record. I, I thought about putting Born in the USA on the list. I think that's a good, mm. good first track, but not it's not Thunder Road. I agree with you on that. I mean, I just think Thunder Road, because of how pressure-filled it was, like, it's hard to put into words, but if this record didn't perform, like, we ain't getting the Bruce Springsteen, like, podcast with Barack Obama. Like, there ain't no Bruce Springsteen. There, there isn't. If this there, record there didn't isn't Born sell. in the USA without this album. No. Yeah. No. So there was a lot of pressure on this on this record, and he felt it. Yeah. Well, um, the, yeah. There, you know, there were there were a lot of songs like they didn't do a double album with this. Right. Um, They, they could have. There were a lot they of songs, they, there were a lot of songs that were left off this. The one that I like, and it's kind of like a real deep cut, but it, it, he does play it in concert from time to time. It's a song called Lonely Night in the Park. 
Yeah. Uh, so he did release those those cuts years later in the track set, by the way. But uh, but yeah, and you know, but yeah, I agree. It's uh, this could have easily been a double album, and and yeah. what, this is this was the song that had to be the first track, not Born to Run, not Ten Thousand Freeze Out. Yeah. He, but it was a lot of pressure on this track. A lot of so. pressure. A lot of pressure. Which I think people forget now because he is so big. They kind of forget like how much was on the line. Yeah. With this record. Yeah. Here's what's interesting too about this track. This this is a great closing track too. Oh, it is. One, it's one that you could have made the closing track. And it is. Would have had all the same, but I think the problem was it was the best candidate for an opening track. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, that's a great yeah, it's a great pick there. Um, it, legendary song, and it, it takes you right into that that first side of the album. You know, tenth that every freeze out night. It just yeah. Uh, album archaeology candidates this album, I think. By the oh, way, oh definitely. Yeah. Um, you're. Uh, I don't think Sensei is gonna like this show that much. Good. <laughs> no, you're, you're next. Uh, you know, yeah, I I. I decided I wanted to get a couple of tracks from the 2000s in here, right? Um, which I it was tougher to do this, right? Because some of this wasn't as many as I would have liked here. But uh, I went with you two uh, from All That You Can Leave Behind. And I went with Beautiful Day. I could see this song as a um, a middle track, but it works as an opener real well. And what was key about uh, the All That You Can't Leave Behind album is they moved back from that experimental electronic sound that they were doing a few years earlier. You know, the pop sound and all that. They they got away. They were going back to more vintage style U2. Um, and what was interesting about this song is it actually was a permutation of another song called Always, which was later released mm. as the B-side, right? So they kind of worked this one uh, uh, several times. Um, and I, I think it works with this album, which, which to me, this is... I would put this album... Top three or four on the, it's a it's a great album, um, you know part of this album ha- you know there's the song uh, stuck in the middle which is a tribute to Michael Hutchins, mm-hmm. which is a big part of what but that's not a song you put it's stuck in the middle is a song that should be stuck in the middle <laughs> that's <laughs> you know, right 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 so that's not but um I, I thought it was great now the, the the funny thing about this is they tend to play this song second in concerts not first you know mm. uh, city of blinding lights is now more recently which is another track one you can make an argument but i i think uh to me yeah i, I think it's a great track um despite what eric may think uh, <laughs> on that uh you know but uh you know and you know again i don't know if i can look at yeah i don't you know, here's the other one i could have went to right and i just mm. here's why i didn't go to it right you could argue when the streets have no name is a better first track. I, I will give you that. I just I had too many '80s songs at that point. That was the point. Yeah. Like I, I was still stuck because that's off Joshua Tree. That's a great first track. Mm. So, but I went. I tried to find another one. Is what I did here, basically. Nice. No. Yeah. Hey, you can't. Uh... You can't argue that as yeah. a good track one, especially yeah. for you two fans. Yeah, and I'll correct myself. City of Blind Lights is an opening concert track, not an opening album track. Mm. So that's what mm. I meant. Yeah, I, I, so we've done this as a album archaeology, but I just had to put it again. I I think it belongs it's, there, but uh, it's uh, one Franklin's, of my songs. But yeah, <laughs> Aretha Franklin, Chain of Fools. 
Um, Aretha Franklin, like Madonna, has a couple really good track ones. She's got Think as a track one. Yep. Respect is a track one. Lady Soul is an excellent record. Freeway of Love. Yeah, yeah, Freeway of Love. Which I yep. bumped because yes. bumped you had this song. Oh, sorry, Coop. No, that's all good. I figured I could just mention it. Freeway of Love's on uh, on a first track as well. Um. Yeah, but it's a good. We talked about the album archaeology. Great, yeah, this is a perfect first track for that. It's uh, a Lady good Soul first album. track. It's a great contrast with uh, uh, "You Make Me Feel Like a Natural Woman," yeah. which is later in the record. It's a great. It's a great. It's a great track. Yeah. No, and and you know we talked about it. It, it kind of again it does what the first track needs to do. It gets you into the rest of the Lady Soul album. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So um, a a a really good one. I'm I'm very interested in this final pick of yours. It's a band you love that we don't talk about a lot. Yeah. But uh, let, let us in. Yeah, so it's a band that's not known for their studio albums. They're known for their live performances. Mm -hmm. um, and this band broke up in um, for a short time in the mid-2000s. You know, like 2004, they said they, they were done. And then they took a hiatus. And then they went back in the studio and they recorded an album called Joy in 2009. And the album's fake. I mean, the artist is Fish. Um, mm -hmm. the song is called backwards down the number line. Right. Um, and it's not really, even though in concert, when they play it, they, they put a little jammy style on it. It's not a very jam like song. It's more of a, of a pop song it has. Um, mm. but it, it's a catchy song. A lot of multi-layer harmonies in this song, uh, great background vocals. Um, it, it's kind of a catchy, it's kind of a catchy song, is what I'll just say. If you haven't listened to it, uh, give it a. I'm not going to try to to duplicate it here, but um, it's just this is one where I wish we could play the track, right? Because it's yeah, but it, but, it, but it's got this. It's 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 catchy, like, and again, Fish isn't known for their studio albums being super strong. It's when they play them live. Joy, on the other hand, is probably the best Fish album that came out uh, as a studio mm. album, though. Uh, mm. And to me, like I said, uh, if you haven't listened to it. Give it a listen. I think you'll agree it's the perfect track one on this album. Uh, and I think you'll agree. folks may be surprised if you haven't given Fish a listen. This is a pretty good album, Joy. Yeah, no, good work. My, my, I'm always I'm a big Hoist fan. I it's like that's that a great album too. Record. Yeah, yeah, they have. Some but good I think, but you're right. We don't talk a lot about them a lot because they're not really known for their studio stuff. It's more of a live band. They're a live band. Yeah. They're a live band, um, and they haven't huge done a, live band though. Yeah, they haven't done a lot of. Um, they don't do a lot of studio albums anymore. They, they no. Really, their focus is they do live albums, and they they sell almost every concert. Like you could buy them, they record them, and then they're for sale, and they're really good quality. So you could get a lot of. Um, you could get a lot of some. Um, I'm saying you could get a lot of stuff from, uh, you know, fish, you know, fish stuff as well, but I don't yeah. think they've done. I don't think they've done a. Um, well, they're more alive bands. I mean, more, I'm just looking. They really? haven't done a live. I don't think they've done a studio album. Oh, they oh. did Fuego. Fuego was 2014. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, um, but they're, but yeah. So no, good that, good pick. We haven't talked about them a lot. Yeah. Uh, now, I don't, I don't think my last pick bumped uh, any of your songs off. And that's uh, Human Behavior by Bjork. This was a surprise one. Yeah. I love Bjork. And so the reason I chose this is this is off of her, her first record debut that came out in 93. Um, and I think the reason I picked it is this really signified her move from 
the you know sort of part of the indie band the sugar cubes to like her solo dance club stuff which is going to dominate her career for the early 90s anyway um and it, it just kicked off decades of like very successful solo work ground really grounded in what the style is going to be it was a big song off the record the record was pretty big um and just sort of i guess when we talked about opening tracks as like changes in the band, like when you're changing from a from a band to solo, it's 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 um it's a good idea to have a good opening track, and this is it, uh, Human Behavior, which is a big track off the record. I don't know if it's the lead single; it'd be close. Yeah, it's not. But, but it's her debut album. Debut. Yep. Yep. First track off a debut album. So if you if you're looking to get a gateway into Bjork, this is a great song. This is an absolute. Great, this great is a song. good pick. Um. This was a good '90s pick. I missed this one actually too. This was a very good one. But uh, uh, yeah, this was yeah. a good job with this one. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm just looking to see what the tracks were that were released from this. I was just seeing so it. you'd have this. You'd have like uh, what's the other one? Venus is a boy. I don't know when that would have been. That was yeah. That was, Human Behavior was the first single released, and Venus is a boy, Play Dead. Big time sensuality and violence. Oh, happy. big time sensuality. Yeah, they had Violently five singles so came bad. off this album. Yeah, it's a huge record. Yeah, and then her follow up to this post is another huge record, and then she sort of gets weird. Yeah, but, uh, but no, great, great, uh, great track one. So track one, Scoop. Yeah. What are your thoughts? Give me some thoughts on your on the track one exercise for you. Um, you know, I tried to like much like when we did the perfect show. I really tried to look at um, spreading it out. And I, again, I came back the 80s. I just kept, there was so many 80s songs that were in here. Oh, um, yeah. And, you know, I think, like I said, I think it's an important thing if you're, if you're into albums. You know, I think you want to appreciate a good first track with it. Um, mm. I, I think there's, like I said, I think we could have done other show. We could do another show on this. And oh, you totally we could. We do a track two or a last track one, which I think. But I, I'm, I think the art of album construction, unfortunately, has gotten lost. I'm glad mm. that, like, the points you made earlier on about, you know, the vinyl kind of bringing this art back is so important, Um, which is why I think it's very important that we see vinyl. And I don't think CD is dead yet, by the way. Mm. Um, You know, vinyl's all the rage right now. Um, you know, the funny thing is, you know, when I had LPs, right, I tended to scratch my first track most of the time. Yeah, you know, right. It's just that's the one where you, the needle goes down or whatever. And if you had, yeah. a, if you had the old, if you didn't have an automatic one, I'm just saying. So, um, but yeah, I think it's a, I think it's an important thing. Um, it shouldn't. But here's what I'll say about a track one: don't be a track one listener solely. Um, listen to track one, but listen to it in the whole context of everything else that's out there uh, on that on that album, um, for sure. Mm. Um, we didn't get into this other point I was going to make. You notice lead tracks off a side of an album mm. that are that are that are really key, right? So, you know, what's a good side to lead? And we've talked about that with album archaeology a lot. Um, I think sometimes that's complete. That's that got lost completely for about twenty years when, when LPs mm. were gone because you didn't have that. You didn't have side two of a cassette, flipping over an album anymore. You just had everything on one CD. So, um, like I said it's good to see this come back. It's a good exercise to go through. If you guys got some track ones out there, let us know what they are. 
Yeah, I mean, a shout out to Sensei, who's been taking a lot of hits this uh, show. But London Calling is a track one. It, it, and I didn't include it because, again, we did an album archaeology on it. Yes, we did. And but it's a we'll great give him his, you know, give yeah. his due. Yeah, we got to give him his due. But, uh, we picking on him on that. Yeah. But uh, I, I found it. Well, A, Madonna's the queen of track ones. So absolutely. I, absolutely. So I, I mean, when you, when you made that <laughs> point, that was a great point you made. It's every I, album almost of hers. Yeah. I, I was fascinated by this show and I'd love to do it again because like like you're in through the outdoor pick coop yeah like the just the the different purposes and reasons for track ones and like why they're there is fascinating yeah like the different sort of like I guess meanings for them is was fascinating to me yeah um about why people put them there what their purpose was that sort of stuff I found Really interesting. Yeah, and you made you know there were a couple of picks you had that were really good, Dave. Um, I think the NWA pick was great, by the way. Um, and then the other one that was really, I think, uh, was the Bob Marley pick as well. Uh, mm. Lively yourself, lively up yourself. So I mean, those were really good examples. And then Bjork was another one, which I just missed that one. So yeah, I, just, I yeah. It's just interesting how like some of them, like Madonna wants to start her albums off like high energy, like. Like like pet foot to the floor. Other ones are like you know just to give you a sort of introduction to what the record's going to be like. It's just really interesting what the different purposes are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I and I also look again that intro, the first thirty seconds, a key too. I mean, mm-hmm. I think it's very key. Um, it doesn't have to be banging the first thirty seconds. No. It's got to be. It's got to be something that is going to let you. Well, it's like your. Uh... It's like that Zeppelin pick. Like you hear that first thirty seconds, and it's not a banger. You but you have to get past that. You have to get past that. Yeah, but it's but it, you're but immediately it's like, what is this? Like it really like it piques what, your interest. Like what yeah. is this? What what is this? Yeah, you're you're immediately like drawn in and like you know, it's great. Yeah, no, I I, I appreciate it. Yeah, like I said, that another one that just to me like and Led Zeppelin is an art, a band, another band that's had very good first tracks. Out yep. there, so they they they're another one. I think that in the rock area, they've done a great job with that. I didn't, you know, I didn't go Beatles. I didn't find a lot of Beatles first tracks that really got me. Mm, I, I didn't even look at the Beatles. There to be were honest. a couple, yeah, um, that I looked at, and I I ultimately um, I ultimately said, um, let me pull up my list here of the other stuff. Um, was it? Um, I'd be interested. In, what's the Abbey Road one? That'd be really interested in what that um, is. See what Abbey Road was. Well, Drive My Car was on Rubber Soul. I almost went with that one. Uh, Abbey Road, I what did, wait, wait come together. Abbey? Abbey Road's come together, yes. That uh, is, I always do a put whole that one show on that. on that. Yeah, that I, is fascinating. Yeah, it's interesting because come together on the Sgt. Pepper soundtrack, yeah, is one of the later songs. Well, and as bad as people will say that movie is. That place that was the highlight. A lot of people say of that North Wind and Fire were the highlights of that soundtrack, and they well, were later. In that. Uh, yeah. I mean, and to put the opening track come together on the album that's going to destroy the band. <laughs> right, right. Interesting. Boom, 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 boom. Come yeah. together, even though it was a band, we're falling apart. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, you look at Abbey Road. Wow, I'm just looking at this. Mm. Come together is followed by something by Maxwell Silver Hammer. I mean, you just. Oh. Go, um yeah it's uh yeah that we gotta do that record man yeah that's, that's another crazy. one we'd have to, to do as well 
Um, just like where the band is at that time and everything, it is nuts. Yeah, it was. I mean, it just uh, if you haven't saw that Disney special, you want to watch that too. Uh, what's what's uh, Oasis is here? I I now I'm just like I'll, I'll stop doing this because I know we're making a long show, but track ones are fascinating. Oh, okay, because uh. I just want to look at because Oasis, what's the story? Morning Glory is sort of their Abbey Road. That's when the band was like falling apart. Yeah. Um, but no, but cigars, Coop. How yep. did your cigar go? Oh yeah, yeah. Just put it down on a glass track. So uh, I'm at the end of it. It uh, it, look if you like, I think the Aladino Cameron is is a blend that works better in the smaller ring gauges, is what I'll say. Uh, so this is a, most of this is a 46 you're gonna get. So even though it's in that that tapered footer, uh, it's gonna smoke a lot like a Corona Gorda. In my opinion, mm. uh, it's going to deliver that Cameron sweetness that you like with a little spice on the back end. Uh, really, really good construction. Um, like I said, this I haven't scored this one yet, but this is an easy 9091 cigar. So uh, nice. fantastic cigar. Um, I have to get more of these sizes. Uh, they're, they're actually pretty. But this is actually kind of I think this release, which just came out around the show, got overshadowed by. Uh, Aladino Classic, which was a whole new line, but this was a great line extension. So uh, mm. definitely check out. This is a cool size. Check it out in the Connecticut as well. I uh, Mine's almost done, too. Um, I'm almost the reverse on you, Coop. I mean, I love this cigar. I love this blend. It's earthy, got chocolate, got sweetness. The first third of this cigar is just amazing. But I think where you're saying, like, this one is, I think, performs better in the bigger ring gauges, like your Robusto. I, I agree. I agree. Your Toros. I, I was disappointed with the Lonsdale with this. That's why. Um. So yeah, I think it's almost like the opposite, where you want to go yeah. bigger ring gauge on this one. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. Still with good. You on that. Still good smoke. I mean, it's still good. Yeah, the Lonsdale is I, still good. That size is still good. But I would agree, it's it's more of the uh, the bigger ring gauges on this one. Oh God, such a good cigar though. Um. New Music 45's Cooper. Yes. So, of course, we want to mention uh, Cigar Hustler, located in Deltona, Florida. Uh, they got a, a, a great, great selection of cigars um, at their at their retail store. Great cigar bar, great cigar lounge, great service. Say, can't say enough about them. Um, they are also uh, brand owners. They have a brand called Postani, and they do... A variety of different collaborations, uh, such as the Bangarang and the mm-hmm. the Shepherd, right? That was the other, you know. So they, yep. Um, so they work with Postani out of uh, Nica Sueño. Um, that, by the way, that Warbear Toro, that Warbear Toro is still one of the best cigars ever to come out of that factory. Um, mm-hmm. but if you can't get down to Deltona, Florida. Uh, go check out CigarHustler.com. Get on their email list. Um. Because if you get on their email list, uh, they when the stuff goes live, particularly some of the limited stuff, um, you want to jump on it. And, and sometimes it may be um, a little too late. Now, I just saw, uh, was it today? Yes, literally during this show, I got the email that the new HVC cigars are out there. Right. We're recording this at like 6.30 on a Saturday on the Eastern Time Zone. So it was about a half hour ago. The HVC selection number one and the 500-year Salomonis were just put out there. So literally, as well as Saka Khan. Yes. Yep. Uh, 
And what I just bought there is a fiver of uh, the new Warhead. Yes, we were just talking about that before the show. The the six by sixty. Yep. Yep. I uh, in fact I'm looking at the email and that's in the email. It's a little further down as well. So so yeah. Um, the Warhead. It's the sixty box press. Um, Hector told me what the next one's gonna be. The nine. And I'm oh, forgetting look at you. He was going Inside back info. round again with that one, I think. I think the nine was going back to be around again. I'm just really interested to see what they do with with, the, with that size. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, it's funny. Espinosa is not known for bigger ring gauges, but, you know, the Azaleo, to me, was great in the Gordo size. Um, So, they, you know, they can blend. Hector does some very good big ring gauges. I'm really mm. curious about this one because I took Warhead um, 7 – which was really good. It's probably gonna be on my list again this year. Was a little dialed back from some of the other warheads, but still very mm. good. So I'm wondering, mm. is this will give me more dialed back? Are they gonna amp it up with more Lajero? I'm kind of curious. I, I have not smoked this one yet, so I don't know. No, I'm very, I'm very excited to try yep. this cigar. Yep. yep. Um, new music. Here we go. Um, first track, side A. It's Julia Jacqueline, who's an Australian artist. This record's getting a lot of word yeah. of mouth uh and the track is called i was neon and this is off of her record pre-pleasure the the record as a whole is more low-key and sort of very a very personal record this this track i was neon is a very standout indie pop rock track so um it's a very good track uh so you should check out that record if you can and we talked about bjork so i thought put, put some bjork on here Coop. yeah there you go and that's uh, this is Autopass, a... <laughs> I think. You described this one perfect. I heard. I said, th- this is my notes. My notes go, <laughs> uh, new single off her upcoming record. It's just weird. <laughs> Interesting arrangement. Sometimes it's fun to listen to something weird. I totally agree with you on that. It, it, that is exactly what that track is. It's just weird. Yeah. And and Bjork's weird, so sometimes, like I said, it's just cool to hear something weird. Yeah, it's weird. Yep. Uh, so I thought I put that on there. Album archaeology. It's an album we talked about. It's um Bob Marley's Natty Dread. Uh, yep. it's got Ben Down Low on it. Natty Dread, the title track, No Woman No Cry. Lots of bangers on the record. It's his seventh studio record, which is pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah. You think about that. Um, yeah. So yeah. So if you. If you uh, are interested in Bob Marley, that's a great record to check out. Wow. Yeah, those are good good selections this week, Dave. These are very good selections. I think, I think with Bob Marley, you get lost on how many records he has because he made a lot of records that weren't released in the U.S. early. And so, like, his first really big U.S. record was maybe his, like, fourth. And so you sort of don't think of him having as many records as he does, I think. Yes, no, I agree. Um, I agree with you on that. But he's done a lot of stuff, yeah. No, I agree. I didn't think that was his seventh album. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, if it's a, yeah, wow. So yeah, get in get in it. That's all yeah. I got. Coop. All right. Um I am gonna I'm gonna want before we go, I just wanna mention two shows we have. If you're listening to this on Monday night, we have two shows this week. And what's significant I haven't even told you this, Dave, so I'm just gonna tell you this. Um what's significant is ready? We got two guys, two guests coming on who haven't done coop shows in a long time, right? Mm. So um, I have finally gotten the tuna back. 
to do a show. Oh, right? record like 80 shows while he's there. So you can right. just ha- uh, while you have right. it. So we got, so now I'm going to, he's going to do that metal show. Cause I'm going to, I'm going to now put him on the spot. That one. Uh, but, um, real excited. He is doing a show, uh, special edition 127 with bear and I, this was an idea he came to us with and we roped him into a show. It's on cigar samplers. Oh, he's been oh. really, Interesting. Yeah. He's been doing some great analysis of samplers, and we're going to talk all about samplers, what makes a good types of samplers, what makes a good sampler, what makes a bad sampler, what would be some of our dream samplers. Um, so oh, can, yeah. Can, can you ask him his thoughts on the last Calaveras sampler and how they include like that? I don't know if he's the last Calaveras guy. I don't think he is, but we're going to talk about that sampler though. Uh, I, I know that's in the notes with me that I'm going to mention. Just the because I like the concept of including an exclusive size. On a I, I, and I think that's important to talk about. And I am going to mention that's exactly what I'm going to mention that one. It was on my list, you know, like, hey, do you include something that's not necessarily? And I think it's important. I'll give a little bit. I think it's important because it gets someone who may not want to get a sample to get a sample. That's true. I mean, I don't think he I mean, I don't think he's a big fan of the cigar, um, but uh, It'd be interesting to think his think on like that as, as a sampler concept. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, Thursday night. Oh, uh, here we go. Here we go. On primetime 241. I got I to listen to that. So one. there was not supposed to be a show on Thursday because I thought I was traveling. Um, that changed. And Aaron and I said, let's do a show. So we let's, let's see if we can get a guest because it was short notice. Uh, and we actually did get a guest. Um, and it's going to be uh, Boofy, Matt Booth. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, that It'd be is, interesting yeah. to see what he's. Well, I got I got So again, I got to get him for the funk show. Uh, so I have these guys. for, You know, it's a little easy to get these guys uh, for these types of shows. But um, then the music show sometimes. But but during the it's a little easier during the week. So um, it's tougher to get these guys on the weekends. But I'm going to try, you know, but yeah. But yeah, Boofy, uh, we're going to talk all about his new role and, and what he's doing there. And uh, I'm sure there'll be plenty of hijinks along the way. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There definitely will be. Yeah. I, I actually, there's a lot to talk to him about with Matt. So, yeah. Um, sometimes that always isn't the case. And he was bugging me to do a show before, right? right before PCA and we just couldn't get him in. So I, I said, hey, you available? He's like, yeah. I'm like, he's in. So, yeah, he's in. Nice. Yep. So, so yeah. So two big shows coming up. Uh, as far as the next jukebox, we will announce when and what that will be shortly. I think we'll probably have one more show before the Purple Rain show. Uh, once we finalize that, so because uh, that's gonna be an October show. So look forward to that. Oh, I'm excited. Take us out, Cooper. All right. All right. Thanks, uh, Dave. As always, thanks to our audience. That is going to wrap up uh, Primetime Jukebox, episode 78 into the Annals of History for this mid-September edition of 2022. We'll see everybody next time. Take care, everybody.